there's very few roles that either one of them could switch on and oh, it would yeah. make any sense you oh, can't yeah. put tom hanks and top gun or mission if, impossible or far and away <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Yo! Yeah. That was deep. This is episode 200. Yes, it is. Whoa. Yes, it is. Almost four years. Four, four years <laughs> of doing podcast content. Now, this is episode 200 of the regular Sincast. We've obviously done many, many, many pods. Many, many, many pods. Uh, but yeah, this is a milestone. Like uh, A lot of podcasts don't get this far, especially weekly ones. Meanwhile, Joe Rogan is like episode 3,628. Yeah, exactly, because mm-hmm. I think he's daily, isn't he? Oh, I don't know. He's also one of the first to ever yeah, start, yeah, yeah, so he's yeah. been going longer than anybody yeah. else. He just and had Ed Snowden on. Yeah, I saw that one. Did you see that one? <laughs> no, I heard it was great. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, 200 episodes. We're not doing anything particularly special today. Well, but we're recording on a Saturday and that's new. Yeah. 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 We had to do this one early. Um, so yeah. therefore everybody's drunk. Everybody yeah, is wasted. Drunk. Everybody is wasted. Everybody is so drunk. This is our wasted in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, you know, yeah. you, do, um, you, can, you could be knee deep and <laughs> hey, in the age of uh, Uber, I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with day drinking anymore just, as long as you don't drive. <laughs> uh, we did get something in our P.O. box a couple of weeks ago um, that was very interesting, and we wanted to read, uh, talk about t- talk about what we got and what he sent to us. This is very cool. So we opened this up, and it's a, a sculpture of sorts. It's a, it's a like a, what is it, 12-pointed star or six-axis star. Uh, and it's very cool. We've got it in the studio right now, and I'll read the uh, the note that came with it. Hi, Jeremy, Chris, Barrett, and the rest of the CinemaSins crew. He even spelled my name right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, some of our employees don't spell my name That's right. That's correct. <laughs> I'm sending you guys a six-axis star. It's a piece of artwork that my dad makes, which is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. It's been featured in a few movies. It's been on the math professor's desk in Goodwill Hunting, one of our favorites, where it's framed to be pointing at both Matt Damon and Stellan Skarsgård in the scene where they're arguing and Matt Damon burns the paper. This is a waste of my fucking time. Yeah, yeah. That's very You know cool. how easy this for, is for me? This is a fucking joke. <laughs> this is a fucking joke. Uh, the other movie, another one of our favorites that it's been in, is Ex Machina. Ah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Where it's off to the side of Oscar Isaac's computer sitting on his table. I almost jumped out of my seat. This is the the person talking. I almost jumped out of my seat when I saw Ex Machina in the theater when the star showed up. Mm. Thanks for all the great content, videos, the Ables, podcasts, etc. Hope uh, to be making it to Sin Week in Nashville next year. Longtime viewer, listener, fan, Will Costick. Will, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Will. Beautiful, beautiful gift. This is now adorning the Sincast studio. And, yes. uh, so yeah, we have, we have so many odds and ends in this thing. We're going to have to have a bigger studio at some point. <laughs> Besides you know, the duct tape, we have a pervy adult novel called Sincast, subtitles to- Career Girls Trading Their Bodies for Fame. That's correct. <laughs> thanks to Frank. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a picture, uh, well, promotional pictures of the cast of Inherent Vice. Yes. <laughs> 
The courtesy of Dicer? Courtesy of Dicer, yes. yes. There's a lot of Dicer stuff in You there. watch something like Dan Patrick's like telecast of his radio show, <laughs> and you see all those fucking trinkets behind him and on his desk, and you're like, God, what a nuisance. But now I know how it happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. They just have people send him shit, and oh, eventually yeah. you run out of space, and you want to you put all of it in a place of honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But thank you, Will. That's very, very cool. Yeah, awesome indeed. Um, So now we've got to get sour, guys. <laughs> sour this bitch up. That's right. I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! You know what? I'm going to go first on the rant here because I don't have much of a rant. Right. You guys, you guys always have some, like, mainly my shit is all about traffic and I don't want to make this the fucking traffic podcast. Um, but there was something very weird that I noticed the other day. And this is more of a mystery, more of a question than a rant. Mm. Uh, so in my bedroom, I have a, I, my, I have a window that faces the other houses that are behind me and b- across the alleyway and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, the alleyway is where we take our trash bins at the, uh, on Tuesday so that they will get picked up. And, uh, and so like I woke up at about seven or so on Tuesday and, uh, heard, the sounds of people getting in their cars and stuff. Everybody's like going to work and everything right across the way. I see this woman walk across the alleyway over to my trash bin and throw something away. And motherfucker. And I'm like, okay. And and it's something small. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I didn't, I didn't go to check and see what it was. Uh, the most curious thing though, was right after that, she goes over to one of her bins and then pulls it over to the to the alley so that it gets picked up. The fuck? So why would you not just throw your shit into your bin? I know. I have an answer. Yeah? She threw away drugs in your bin. You think? She did a joint. She did a joint. <laughs> she, she didn't <laughs> smoke it. She did a joint. Yeah? And she threw it in your bin in case the trash people narked on her. They wouldn't be narking on her. They'd be narking on you. Hmm. Wow, I have a slightly different yeah? explanation. Did you notice, does she have any pets? I don't think they do. I a don't lot think they of do. times, now, what what I have done, and the, it's common practice, especially in like a big city like Chicago, if you're walking your dog, you are expected to pick up after your dog. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in more rural areas, you just let them go and all that stuff because nobody's going to be walking on it. In a, in a city, you have to pick up after your dog. And basically, so you got a poop bag. And you go to wherever the nearest receptacle is, whether it's somebody's trash can that they've left out or whatever, uh, or it's a public trash can or something like that. And I have thrown that in, and other people have thrown it in my bin, and it's just kind of a commonly uh, occurrence thing. But if you haven't seen this person walking any dogs or have any pets, then... Well, it's curious. I, and but the thing that you're talking about, though, is you have those are people who are just happen to be walking down your street, right? That's true. Those yeah. are not people who are in your neighborhood who have their own bin across the way. That's true. Like, that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. Drugs. Drugs. You know what? I, I know how we can solve this. Mm-hmm. You got to get in that bin next Tuesday mm-hmm. and wait for that bitch to come over and open the lid. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and then pop out and say, surprise, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, cockbag. And then see what she drops. Yeah. See what she was going to throw in there. I actually thought about that. Like, thought about, uh, like, being right behind my uh, my gate. 
And then when she opens up the opens up my trash bin, just open up the gate and like, what are you doing here? <laughs> put your put your face half over the picket fence and say hi to Leo. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, I had recently just been like putting my bin back behind the fence because a lot of times what happens is the trash guys will come over they'll throw the throw the bags in and then they'll just kind of distribute the bins wherever and they don't mm-hmm. know where they're putting it and so and and if you don't catch that then those people across the way will be like oh that's my trash can and just put it back to where they are and then you're sitting there looking for your trash can yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh and so like i've started doing that but on this particular occasion, I had it out already because they didn't, I think the trash people didn't even show up last week. Sometimes they see like construction going on mm-hmm. with the new houses and stuff. And they're like, well, we can't possibly go down the alleyway now, which, yeah. which is bullshit. That's just an excuse. And they, mm-hmm. just, and they know that most people aren't going to like complain or anything. So, uh, so like, yeah, I've been doing that, but, but just to see, I'm just so curious as to what is being thrown in. I may do that. You're going to have to rear window that shit, man. Yeah. Like buy a pair of binoculars. Right. Track her progress from mm-hmm. inside the house, if possible, mm-hmm. all the way around. And oh. then give her a call. <laughs> what would be awesome is if you put some kind of like noisemaker in there. So when she lifts the lid, it's like, and like she freaks the fuck out. Now, is this just the one time that you've noticed this? Well, there was one other time when I had the bin behind the fence and I was going to take it out in the mornings just before they showed up that I noticed I heard going across the alleyway and then it was my neighbor's trash that they threw something in Mm. yeah you're right dude drugs yeah it's drugs it's drugs it's got to be drugs uh i i would probably say it's not marijuana but i bet it's drugs i bet it's drugs probably not weed but also what's funny is that i mean if 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 the trash guy says hey i found drugs in this woman's trash all the woman has to say is i put that shit out in that bin last night my neighbor probably came through yeah. and drugs in there. It's yeah, there's mine. no there's no proof there that just <laughs> because wonder, it's in your bin. What is the trash man's code when it comes to I don't this? think the trash man gives a shit. Well, no, what, I well, mean, at what point do you have to report like if you find a dead body? Sure. Well, yes. Right? But, but they then they're not what's gonna, below that? They're not, they're not opening bags. They're not looking at what they're dumping out. No. Yeah. In fact, I've seen them. They've come, they come through and they take that bin and they just like, just dump it in. And mm-hmm. then they don't care what they're throwing in there. They're just dumping it in and, and, and moving on. Yeah. Sometimes they'll go in and take individual bags. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. most of the time it's just like, you know, yeah. just get it. Let's get this done. I think that dead body thing was a plot point in Minute Work. You remember that? It was. <laughs> it was a plot point in Minute, Minute Work. Minute the Estevez Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I They're, actually kind of like that. That guy movie. looks freaking dead. <laughs> 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 oh man i like that movie a lot <laughs> yeah it's one of those it's it's objectively terrible but i but I, I i watched it when i was 14 and i loved it charlie sheen and emilio estevez together brothers yeah. uh, for the first and last time not the last time yeah no they were there both was, in they were Guns. both in something else didn't didn't he did, Milo Estevez made some sort of pornographer movie oh, something like yeah. that I think Charlie Sheen might have been in that anyway all right let's get into some actual angry rants all right uh this was everywhere this was in France when I went over there this is in the US when I went over there and it's been going on for a fucking month pulled up a an ET article right now that was posted like 12 hours ago so this is still ongoing 
an Empire Magazine interview, Martin Scorsese says something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the whole thing memorized, but that uh, Marvel movies, the MCU movies, superhero movies, specifically Marvel movies. I specifically think, Marvel. Uh, he compares them to theme parks, meaning that they're not cinema. No, he, I cinema. think he explicitly said they aren't cinema. Correct. They're not what he considers cinema. They're more akin to theme parks, uh, basically people looking for thrills, well-done stuff, but not a whole lot of meat on the bone. Okay. So everybody freaks out about that. This mm. is just fucking, it's got to be four weeks ago when this airs. I don't think it was quite that long ago, but yes. Something like that. Um, and then, that and then it, it, it kept going. It kept going about like Marvel versus Martin Scorsese. And it wasn't really the, the, the reasonable people having this discussion. It was the fanboys having this discussion. And then there was a weird, like, you know, defense mounted by the cinema people against the Marvel people, but they were way outnumbered. And then a couple weeks after he made those statements, Francis Ford Coppola comes out and says, you know what? I agree. I, I don't even think that they're just not cinema. He used a word like they're despicable. despicable. They're despicable or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly that. And so that reignited everything. Mm -hmm. And so that kept on going and going and going. These are two of the most legendary 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever uh, 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 directors in the history of, of cinema. And, you know, now he's walking back his comments a little bit saying that cinema has changed and this is just the new normal. And it's not necessarily that he was deriding them artistically. It's just not what he considers cinema itself. I conceptually, I fall on the Scorsese Coppola bandwagon about this. I think that Marvel movies are perfectly fun. They are a lot of fun. I have loved Marvel movies. I also love theme parks at times, mm. too. And I totally get that comparison. But I'm not here to talk about that. We can if we want to. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm wondering why the fuck this is still a story so far down the road. Do you have do you have a suggestion of why that is? Just it get, it just gets clicks. It gets clicks. That's the that's the the oxygen that keeps this flame going. I'm I wrote once for a website that I won't name and around the time Google Plus came out. This was their Facebook competitor which is now completely dead. Yeah. And um the editor said to me after about a week Man, every story you write about Google Plus gets twice as many reads as any other story. See how many stories you can write about Google Plus. That's nice. what's going on here. And nice. the problem is uh, the, the reporter who, who first posed the question to Scorsese was looking for a clickbait quote, mm -hmm. and he got it. Mm -hmm. And then reporters everywhere else started throwing their microphones in front of the James Gunns and Sebastian Stans and Robert Downey Jr.'s of the world to get their take. What do you think about this? And I think... I think movies versus films, right? Theme parks versus cinema is an age-old debate mm -hmm. that's always going to rage on, and the super hardcore Marvel fans are going to say, this is art. It's like when Roger Ebert said video games aren't art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what's funny to me is watching all the Hollywood types fall all over themselves to praise Scorsese and Coppola for what is essentially a pretty garbage take. Like... Yes, they're legends. Yes, they can say whatever they want. To call Marvel movies despicable? Well, that was Coppola specifically. Okay, yes, but that's a bad take. If Mel Gibson no, yeah, said you're right, that, you're right. we would bury that motherfucker. Well, but because it was Coppola, and I think that's pretty fascinating. If you've earned enough clout 
in film, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Sure, sure, sure. You can come right out and say, and it's what's fascinating to me is watching even the Marvel actors and directors def- show deference to Coppola and say he's earned the right to say whatever he wants. I, I'm waiting for one of them to go, this is film. This is cinema. It's so ridiculous to me. I, I don't fall on the same side as you. It's Obviously, ridiculous yeah, to me yeah. that Scorsese would say that's not cinema because what I feel like he's saying is you can only make movies about gangsters. But if you make them about superheroes, I can't take that seriously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think I don't think I don't think that's what he was saying. From what I read in the interview, well, he's certainly saying I make cinema. Yeah, those sure. films are not cinema, and he's not wrong. Well, no, well, I mean, he's not wrong about what. It's like saying, okay, we'll compare it to to pop music for a second. Is there any comparison between a Ariana Grande song and a Beethoven sonata? Besides the fact that they are both under the broad category of music. Well, only one of them won a Grammy. (laughs) (laughs) You went Ariana Grande Beethoven on my ass. Beethoven Beethoven has won a lot of Grammys. But Beethoven is, you pick pick somebody modern. Pick somebody who's like, give me Adele. That is, well, I mean, I think Adele is more akin to Ariana Grande than she is to Beethoven. What I'm saying is that. Martin Scorsese has has directed and made some of the indelible classics that will be going on and that 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 you know film students will be dissecting for, for years him. to come. I don't think they'll be dissecting uh uh Endgame in any way the same way other than the fact that it had a greater impact uh, box office wise same with ariana grande versus Beethoven. i disagree completely <clears throat> i think there are people out there who who cried at endgame who are emotionally impacted who they would claim their lives have been improved because of these movies hmm. but these movies give them hope what is the hmm. what's the standard though is it is it quality is that the only thing that's differentiating this between what they consider cinema and not the the reason i i, I want to answer that question the reason that I brought up something like Beethoven versus Ariana Grande, I realize it's stupid, but there's so much more thought, passion, execution, uh, juggling, uh, getting things together than pooping out a pop song to me, to me, that I think that is the standard of excellence. Of I, I have the ability to wrangle all these things together to produce this sublime result then it's then it's a matter of quality then it has nothing to do it's with the, it has quality. nothing to do with the uh it has nothing to do with the definition of the term it's uh it's it's scorsese saying he just basically saying i don't like these movies more than anything him say just a blanket statement they're not cinema that's absurd it's yeah. absolutely absurd uh because the medium by which we watch this is cinema. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, music, cinema, that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a variety of tastes, and there's going to be movies that Scorsese makes, uh, and there's going to be movies that other people make that aren't the same quality but have that same aspiration – then we're going to start saying that's a lesser lesser version of cinema just because it's like – slightly down the the down the ladder i mean i don't i don't get i don't get the definition yeah i mean obviously he's i think up, he chose the words wrong yeah yeah i, I agree he's with operating that. Yeah, i agree with different that. i think he just should have said it's not my cup of tea and there would be no blowover but because he decided to say they're not cinema and then honestly i think it would have gone away if coppola hadn't quadrupled down and used used a word that i just think is 
the word despicable does not belong in this conversation. That implies evil intent. <laughs> that implies some measure of destruction of the world or our culture, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. criminals are despicable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Films yeah. cannot be despicable unless they're like human centipede or something like that, or <laughs> or, or, or maniac volume two, or KKK recruitment video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I get what he's saying, and I get what you're saying is that there are different there are different ends of the spectrum in music or in film. And some is intended to more to entertain. And some is intended more to make you think, but I don't think you can say one is better than the other. And certainly both kinds um, appeal to passionate people like tell Ariana Grande fans that she doesn't put a lot of thought and energy and time and passion into her music and they'll beat you till you're dead. No, that's very Um, true. And I I get what you're saying. It's not the same as Beethoven, but it's fucking music and people love it. Yeah. It's the same thing with literature. I had a, a, a friend who's a writer. I uh, said, wow, you know, I, I recently read a book over Christmas vacation. This was a few years ago. And he was like, well, well, what was it? And at the time it was the uh, Stieg Larson, the girl with the dragon tattoo, mm-hmm. which is obviously very mass market. Right. Mm-hmm. And he looked at his girlfriend and he was like, see, you got to dumb it down because he writes literature. You know right. what I mean? And I took a lot of offense to that because I was like, dude, first of all, it, it's not like a dumb book. It's actually a pretty well done book. But second of all, just because it's popular doesn't mean, you know, it's it's not, you know, to your standard. So, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be this this debate. Um, and I, I think I answered my own question on why this has so much legs. I think it's definitely partially due to clickbait. Yeah. I think it's definitely these discussions because even as as like minded as we are, we have some differences on what it's the what, hot dog this. sandwich debate. Yeah, it's you can throw that out on Twitter any day. And people on both sides will come racing to your mentions and argue for the rest of the day. Passionately, too, right? Yeah, and it's the stupidest fucking thing to argue about. And well, and and one more thing here too: if you're not calling this cinema, then what do you call it? If you if you call it a theme park ride, I'm sorry, that's a shitty theme park ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if well, I'm going sure. to Avengers Endgame and and <laughs> and I don't, you know, exactly. If <laughs> whether I I you know, I mean, I guess there's a way at some point theaters could do something like that, right? There's they've tried like different smellovision. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've yeah. tried those type of things and uh, to varying degrees of success, but. I mean, to me, it's it's then what do you classify it? And I do believe he just used the wrong word. Yeah, if he yeah. had just said, they're not my thing. I don't think these are these are uh, high works of art or whatever. Of course, everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, I totally agree. They're mm-hmm. not that. They're not what those are. Yeah. They're not that. Yeah. But he said cinema. And now we're arguing over the fucking definition of the word. Yeah. And that's we can't argue that cinema has a fucking definition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, one last thing on this. How much clout do we give? I'm going to make a music comparison again. How much clout do we give somebody who has a a track record as, as superior as somebody like Martin Scorsese? And I'll, I'll ask it in this context. When Quincy Jones was doing his Scorched Earth thing mm-hmm. uh, about a year ago or something mm-hmm. like that, where he was just saying whatever the fuck he wanted to say, mm-hmm. he was asked about you know current pop and like how it's constructed, how it's uh, you know distributed and stuff like that. And he was like, those motherfuckers don't know what they're doing because nobody 
is coming from the, the, the perspective of making a song. Now, th- this is literally what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not getting into songwriting. They're, they're programming in their beats, they're putting in their sounds, and then they're putting their vocals on top of it. And when you listen to old Quincy Jones productions, Michael Jackson in the early days and you know Stevie Wonder and things like that, you can tell there is a lot bigger difference than what you hear right now. There's key changes, there's syncopated beats, there's layerings and stuff like that. So when he says something like that, I tend to listen to him and I tend to agree with him qualitatively hearing what I hear. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Scorsese. If he says, you know, I've, it's not like he hasn't made a movie in, you know, three decades or anything like that. He's still turning out work. Like, how much do we say, well, maybe I should look at it from his perspective because he's probably got something to say. Well, I just, that's about, that was my original point was if Yui Bowl had come out and said this, yeah. everyone would have jumped on him. Everyone. Because yeah. he's got a whole career of making shit films. It was because this was a god of filmmaking that said this that it got so much run. Because mm-hmm. everybody respects his films. Everybody knows his place. And for him to say, to, to probably misspeak the way that he did, uh, makes everybody go, what? He just said, what? And then, <laughs> it, of course, that's why nobody's attacking him. Because you, you can't. Like, he's yeah. earned it. Uh, both of them have. And so there's no there's no big, no point in Robert Downey Jr. going, oh, this is cinema, Martin. Let's have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk this out. There's no point in that. Yeah. Um, but I do think outside of just this conversation, I do think, you know, in general, um, the older famous people get, the more bad takes they seem to have. <laughs> that also, is true. It, it, it also, too, how, how many people uh, who were older than Quincy Jones heard stuff that he did and said wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah, That, yeah. I think, is That's the point. I think, I think these Marvel movies are literally changing what cinema is right now. And in 20 years looking back, it's going to look like Star Wars did, you know, in terms of the impact it's going to have. Uh, and, and that's it, actually what he says on this most recent interview that I just put up. Like, this is the new way of doing things. I haven't delved deep into that article, but he may be saying exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And again, part at the root of all of this is still this sort of cancel culture that we're in where we want to take any soundbite that sounds a little off and run that person into the ground if we can. Uh, usually it's over in about a day or two though. So I agree with your rant originally about this has been like three weeks now. <laughs> like, let's let it go for fuck's sake. We uh, can all agree that Coppola is being an asshole, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Coppola's made some shitty movies. <laughs> and, and only one of his wines is any good. <laughs> yeah, when's the last one he made though? Cause he's been. Uh, he did that, uh, uh, 2011 Jack? thing. No, <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he did do that. <laughs> That that wasn't cinema. I can say that. One. <laughs> and that movie was despicable. Yeah, and it was despicable. He did something called like uh, like a sci-fi name Tiesto or something. Twixt. Oh, Twixt. Yeah, so, and that was what 2013 something like Twixt that. Twixt was 2011. Yeah. It says he's working on his big magnum opus yeah. now, Megalopolis. I want to see it. So he did. Oh, he did Tetro, and then he did Twixt. Tetro is the movie that I was thinking of. Uh, he did Youth Without Youth, and then before that, really, it was The Rainmaker and Jack um yeah and and uh yeah he he for years just sort of because i think here this is another sort of offshoot of this conversation is that uh, a lot of these directors are having to deal with the studio system that's not like what they dealt with in the 70s that's true in the 70s studios were studios they weren't owned by a lot of like big corporations like they are now like you know fox got bought out by news corp and yeah and and uh you know like just 
every Universal's Comcast and all the, they're not the studios anymore. They're Comcast and they're mm-hmm. News Corp and everything. And so like Coppola for the years has just been talking, been railing about, I haven't made movies because I have to deal with that bullshit. And mm-hmm. I understand that. And yeah, plus that he's rich sense. as shit. Yeah. His, you don't, you only like one of his wines, the Pinot? No, I actually have only had three of them. The Merlot is really good. Merlot I, is good, yeah. I didn't like the other two. I have a feeling that has more to do with it than him not being able to make a movie under the studio system. Though. Yeah, yeah. That that he's pretty well set, and he's got his wine. He and, does. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, I have two. I'm going to try and make two half rants, uh, because I, I can't let either one of them go. Uh, a positive and a negative. <clears throat> I am on to a new wine, and I'm not going to brag about it or tell you what it is because it's cheap, um, and it's uh, cheap. <laughs> but I like it, and I like, cheap I like saving money, right? So I have, I have switched to this wine. This is about four weeks ago. Neither of my local grocery store department managers have, have gotten wise to the fact that someone has started buying this cheap wine mm-hmm. because I buy a one. It's a boxed wine. I buy one box. A few days later, I buy another box. Mm-hmm. A few days later, I buy the last box on the shelf, and it's a week and a half before the, they restock it, and it's just three boxes. Hmm. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you how to do department management in a grocery <laughs> store, because they inventory the shit out of that. The computer does most of the work for you. You should be, if you're a good department head, you should be looking at your sales report every day to see how often or how much you sold this motherfucker both of them at Publix and kroger they're just getting there at the end of the week going oh we sold all three of those but better order three more (laughs) and no and so i had to drive 20 fucking miles to a kroger or the next town over to find this wine because these dipshits can't adapt and do their job (laughs) and i worked in this industry i know how easy it is to to follow the sales trends and go oh people are buying this now i better stock it more Mm -hmm. assholes Mm -hmm. the next time you buy it you should just grab it and go by the manager and just stare at him i'm actually (laughs) and underline the 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 name of it i think i'm gonna just go in there and request it like say hey I'll, i'll buy this every other day if you stock more of it um the other the other rant is a happy rant um for time to time, now you know I, I, I'm a Starbucks guy and like to go to get my Starbucks, um, and they have sandwiches. And maybe once every couple of weeks, I'll get one of those sandwiches. Are they any good? They're better than McDonald's. You know how I like my McMuffins. Mm-hmm. So the one I like to get at Starbucks is a sausage, egg, and cheese on a English muffin, and it's pretty good. Better yeah. than McDonald's. For reasons, uh, I, I, out of my routine the other day, I ended up at a Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. and I was hungry. And I ordered one of their breakfast sandwiches, mm-hmm. sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Oh! <laughs> Changed my life. Now, this is what they do at Starbucks. You order, I want that sandwich. They, they pull out this cooler shelf. Mm-hmm. It's wrapped in plastic. They take it out of the plastic. They put it in this high-speed confection oven, convection mm-hmm. oven, confectionery oven. <clears throat> and a minute later, beep, beep, it's done. They hand it to you. At Dunkin', they have all of the sandwich elements. Mm-hmm separately laid out Mm -hmm. they have and so when you order a sandwich they take the croissant put it through the crisper take it out put an egg put an egg thing on there put the sausage patty on there put the cheese on there run it through again to get a little bit of melty my god yeah best breakfast sandwich i've ever had at any kind of a chain restaurant interesting blew my fucking mind this is actually my go-to my uh dunkin donuts is my go-to and have you had this sandwich i have it's fucking amazing uh yeah okay you don't like it no i mean it's fine i you you've I, Starbucks, I think, has subpar sandwiches. If if this is relatively 
so so great. Yes. Uh, but I agree. It's a it's a tasty sandwich. Yeah. Have you had the other ones? I've had uh, yeah a bunch of stuff. All right. Good. Good <laughs> Unfortunately, um, Duncan is not sponsoring this episode. Well, I have <laughs> no, they are not. But after having one, I have now drove out of my way twice to get this Duncan sandwich because I liked it so much. And then you can pick up your wine from the yeah, <laughs> pick up my wine from the next town over. Way. I'm just saying, do your fucking job, man. It's not hard. They got the six department heads in each store. <laughs> Yeah, all you have to do is pay attention to the wine. Who's selling? Who's buying yeah. wine? Yeah. Do yeah. it. Yeah. Lazy fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Are we doing uh, some recommends and warns? Yes. Let's. Let's. Totes amazeballs. There great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Yes. Have some. <laughs> yes. Have some. Yes. Um, uh, all right. Well, I'll go ahead and recommend uh, Dolomite is my name. Damn yeah. it! I wanted to watch that. That old. You must have watched that like last night. I watched it l- part way last night and finished it this morning. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is a showcase for Eddie Murphy, sort of his, uh, uh, I guess, his comeback trail because he was in the the new comedians and car getting coffee. Mm. And, He's doing this. He's got a Coming to America sequel coming out, all that. He's going to be on Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For the first time in, like, ages. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on there, but uh, this, is a good, uh, this is a good sort of comeback role for him uh, as Rudy Ray Moore, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the titular Dolomite. Mm. Uh, and uh, it sh- it's, it's kind of like a lot of biopics. Uh, you know, we start – we see him – at his sort of his lowest and then what his idea is and then how he jumps to fame. But, um, it's, uh, it's just so fun. I don't know what it is that Craig Brewer directed this. I don't know what he did in this particular biopic. That's completely different from most biopics. Maybe it's because it, it cuts out like maybe it's because his Ruby Ray Moore's life isn't like a lot of these, <laughs> you know, it's not like filled with this like drug downfall yeah, yeah, or, yeah. uh, or, or a lot of those tropes that we see in this, this movie a lot like it's a lot like Ed Wood in some way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it shows him at the beginning. Now I was talking to Barrett before this. I don't actually really understand what his new thing he was doing on stage, why that became so successful in his, in his neighborhood. But I'm assuming it's because I'm a white dude. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so like, there was a point where he's like emceeing and he would, uh, he would uh, introduce uh, bands and he would introduce this Bill Taylor band. Craig Robinson plays Bill Taylor in this. And, uh, and he would introduce them at clubs and he would tell these really dumb jokes, you know, and nobody's laughing and, and everything. And the club owners like, dude, you know, I mean, you went over your five minutes and, hmm. and everything and just, you know, and it's just not, it's not very good. And so his idea, because he, he works at a, he works at a record store, which has a, has sort of a radio station in the back. Snoop Dogg plays the DJ. Nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, the, the very Pimpin big. hosing clock in the grip like my name was Dolomite. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, they're the very beginning of this movie has, uh, has Rudy Ray Moore trying to get 
one of his songs on the radio talking to talking to the snoop dog dj and everything and the beginning of this is classic eddie murphy where he's playing con man oh nice and it's so funny like it's like it's back into the old days and everything with him and you're instantly brought into this movie from the very beginning because of what he's trying to do is like, come on, get this. So, you know, like, he, you know, he's, he gets into that Eddie Murphy things like, man, I play this song. Everybody go, drops dead. And then it's like, mm-hmm. like, if I play it's like every time I play this song now, I have to warn people because they have to call the ambulances. <laughs> and, like, and, uh, and, uh, and so like, uh, he, at this record store, he sees this homeless guy walk in and he start and the homeless guy starts telling this big story about a man named Dolomite and, and this guy, Willie green and all this other stuff. And, and, uh, his, Eddie, Mur- the Rudy Ray Moore's idea is to go to a homeless community and have them tell their stories and then record them and then bring them back to his house and then sort of tell those same stories, but with rhymes and with attitude hmm. and everything. So like he got on stage the next time he got on stage, he looks like a pimp at this point. Hmm. He's like dry dressed on these colors and the hat mm-hmm. and the cane and everything. And he, everything he says is, is kind of like what we see in the trailer, right? Like, as my name is Rudy, uh, Rudy Ray Moore is my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Mm-hmm. And it's like all that. And it, everybody's just eating it up. <laughs> so like, uh, he starts making albums and people around, like it's, it, there's a point where he's, when he tries to sell this movie Dolomite, when he finally, cause they go and watch a movie with Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau. That's the front page is what mm. it's called. And, and it, it's him. It's Mike Epps, Craig Robinson and Titus Burgess from, uh, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. They're all like sitting there watching this movie and I see of white people <laughs> and, and, and like, uh, and, the, and they're like, man, sitting there, man, this isn't funny, man. There's nothing. There's no titties in it or nothing. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so like, do, uh, Rody Ray Moore decides, I want to be on that screen, man. I want to do, I want to do movies and everything and so when he goes and tries to pitch uh doing a movie about dolomite um uh the 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 people he goes to are like the people who finally in, end up coming around on his like his comedy records and they're like well yeah you can do this but man if this fails we you I mean we own your your whole catalog mm. at this point and he's determined to do it and and he says you know you have to do this uh you have to you have to sell a movie to more than the five blocks out here and everything he's like well every in every town in america there's another there's five blocks just like this one mm, and they'll ooh. come and watch because he's in la right now yeah right? he's in la he came from arkansas mm. and uh and he goes to la and so you see you see sort of how driven he is to go through all this and everything he goes to a, a local black theater and he finds a writer keegan michael key plays the writer jerry jones nice. in the, and uh and uh the uh so he finds a writer and he finds uh he go and and, he, and then he's like uh well you know he's trying to find actors so he finds actors locally and everything and uh he goes to a strip club looking for women who will ad- show will be nude on mm-hmm. on screen it's like the first one he asks is a stripper and he's like and she's like all you porn people always coming in here it's like this is not porn it's nudity and uh, but you know it's it's artistic and she walks off <laughs> and uh but then at the strip club they find uh the wesley snipes character and i can't remember his actor's name um i'll look it up real quick um that which is wesley snipes in this movie this is his best performance in ever oh really i mean i don't think else would uh i don't think wesley snipes ever like has ever been able to be like a character really he's always been wesley snipes that's true uh there's there are demolition man 
Oh yeah, for sure. Demolition <laughs> Man. Hey, Demolition Man. He's a character for That's sure. That's true. Simon. Uh, Simon. Simon. Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Simon Phoenix. Um, <laughs> and he plays Derville Martin. Derville Martin uh, is uh, is a guy who was in Rosemary's Baby, and he's throwing- yeah, he was an actual actor. right? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. Uh, um, he was the elevator guy in Rosemary's Baby. Ah. And but he's acting like he's done some real shit Uh, you know like and so so like (laughs) there's a great scene with him and and uh and uh, eddie murphy and everybody you know rudy ray is trying to get him in in this movie and uh and everything and and uh derville's got some good points he's very standoffish at point at, at the first at first but it's a great scene i won't ruin that one but like uh, great scene. They finally, of course, they do get him and they, they, uh, offer him to direct as well, which mm. really like gets him on board and everything. And then after that, it's all about the making of the movie and everything. And it's just fun. It's, uh, uh, I would highly, highly, highly recommend this. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to be checking this out. I wanted, as soon as I saw, um, <clears throat> yesterday, I think is when I realized it was, it had gone on Netflix. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I got to watch that, but I didn't have enough time yeah. between then and today. Was gonna, be, which is good because I was gonna make that my recommender warn, and you you obviously were doing the same thing. And so mm-hmm. you were uh, making that twenty mile drive to get wine. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> and also I got sucked into a movie I've never watched all the way through, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, you'd never watched Apocalypse Now all the way. I through. did not consider it a stack of shame movie because I have seen scenes in this movie a bunch, specifically right. scenes from the end. Um. But I had, I had, speaking of complex, I had horrifically miscategorized this movie in my mind. And I, I was under the mistaken impression that it was all this psychedelic, weird, Brando cult shit. Oh. And it's not. It's no. Martin Sheen's movie. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And his journey all the way through. And that's the stuff. The first two thirds is the stuff that I've seen very little of, which adds Ooh. so much context to the end. Uh, and I was pretty enthralled. I started out enthralled at how young Martin Sheen and Lawrence Fishburne look. Yeah. Fishburne's um, like 18. I know. He's, he, well, he's even credited as Larry Fishburne yeah, in the yeah. movie, but I had to double take to be sure it was even him. And then he started talking. I was like, oh, well, that's Fishburne. Um, <clears throat> And then just this this sort of harrowing journey down the river, and the more you learn about this guy he's going to kill, and then you learn about the guy who went before him who mm-hmm. never came back, and it just builds all this tension so that when you get to this iconic scene of Brando, I'm blown away by the light and shadow in that scene. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's Brando or Coppola who's really doing the work there, because I feel like Coppola... Is it Coppola or Coppola? It's Coppola. 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 I, I'm just going to call him Coppola. I, I was about to do my it's Coppola I'm, thing. I'm, but- I'm glad. I, <laughs> I, I have a sticking point on his name for yeah. some reason. Um, I'm sure he set up the lights, but there are moments in this scene where Brando's character is moving. Yeah. And like just a cheekbone will be in the light and then it'll dip back into shadow and then it'll bend his head down and a whole bald head will be in the light. And it's it's fucking mesmerizing. I feel like I want to hug this movie and apologize for miscategorizing it for 25 years. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how I got that impression because the end is a little trippy. The end is oh, a totally. little psychedelic. Yeah. And I guess I just felt like the whole movie was that when instead that's really just the capper. Uh, I 
fucking loved it. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you yeah, saw that too. all the way through. <laughs> I had never seen it all the way through, and now I want to watch it again. There's, there's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. there's three different versions now. There's the, uh, the, I don't know which one you saw. How long was yours? I think I saw the redo. The Redux? Yes. Three and a half hours? Yes. Okay. So there is uh, the original, which is, I think, 215, mm-hmm. two and a half. Redux is three and a half. Did you have, uh, you, you probably did. Uh, the, scene, the, the last version I saw, I bought this on 4K. It was mm-hmm. another one of these 4K movies that I watched. Uh, and the, four, the director's cut is at three hours exactly now. But there's also like this, I, I had never seen Redux. And Redux, uh, I am assuming, put in this scene where he runs into a bunch of French nationals. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a big, huge dinner scene. Yeah. And like he meets this girl and all this they stuff. They hate Americans, too. They hate Americans, yeah. yes. <laughs> and uh, the I was like, wow, this is, and I've got Redux, too. I want to see what else he possibly yeah, could yeah. put into this. But there was a lot more with uh duval surfboard getting stolen uh-huh. and and everything like i don't think in the original they they went to after they stole it it was yeah i don't think yeah. that was there wasn't anything else after that no no maybe, no yeah, maybe was, no in the original maybe duval in his helicopter is going around looking for a surfboard oh i can't tell because i've because i've seen the original all the way through probably three or four times mm-hmm. and then i've seen parts of the redux yeah so now it's all getting all yeah there's <laughs> yeah that's that, it's kind of sad that there's this many versions now like and now we have to figure out which one is the definitive yeah, this yeah. one says director's cut yeah, yeah. uh but uh, well, the same thing happens with his godfather movies too because now we have that like sequential cut godfather yeah, yeah. saga yeah, yeah. which yeah. i haven't been able to find it's, on a disc i i can't find it either i've been looking for years and years and years but you were talking this is one the thing that uh, you were talking about brando being in shadow and everything i don't and i think it i think it's a the grocery clerk clerk's line that he finally shows up mm. and i love that line mm. too he's like no no you're neither you're you're a gro- you're a you're an errand boy sent by grocery clerks mm-hmm. here to collect a bill mm-hmm. you know yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's just you don't know the, the it's so uh, i don't know what it is about it it's so enthralling because you don't know what's going to happen to him uh kurtz is a creature of whim mm-hmm. he could kill that guy the, in an hour or just leave him alive for no reason yeah just based on whatever his wherever his headspace is at yep. so you're feeling it with him like yeah. martin sheen in this cage this whole time at the end but yes the build-up to this the whole like going down the river and like being unable to say where they're going and yeah and him reading the dossier yep. and everything that's where apocalypse now is like just when they have those skirmishes like at one point they're just going down the river and all of a sudden missiles are coming yeah, out yeah, like yeah. crazy and then like later it's like tiny little arrows and like martin sheen's making fun of the arrows and then dude gets impaled by a fucking spear yeah, yeah. yeah. that that's the that's the part that was missing for my brain to make this movie make sense or make it make me want to watch it and uh yeah i'm so sorry it took me so long no that's awesome but i loved it my favorite part is when charlie sheen is going down the river and he, he crosses <laughs> martin sheen and they say i loved you in wall street <laughs> yeah yeah, it's good stuff. That's in Hot Shots. Part <laughs> Part two. Part, Part two. two. Part two has been uh, airing on HBO or something a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And I've been, God, who is the, the woman in that? The uh, Valeria Galeno? Yes. Valeria Galeno. God. Yeah, God I love, bless I love her. her. God I love her. her. <laughs> I love her. She's a fine filly. Yeah, she is. She's a fine filly. So also on Netflix is this movie that um, I got very hyped for. Uh, Steven Soderbergh directed it. It's got Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, 
Antonio Banderas. I keep going. Sharon Stone, David Schwimmer, Jeffrey Wright, Will Forte, Chris Parnell, the latter two, and Jesus, nothing. Uh, James Cromwell, Melissa Rauch from Big Bang Theory, mm. uh, Robert Patrick, Larry Wilmore, and on and on and on. Oh, and on. cow! Uh, it's called The Laundromat, and it's about super rich people finding ways to remain super rich. And uh, Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas play these shrewd uh, lawyers that represent the super, 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 super rich uh, in a in Panama City, Panama and offshore banking and stuff like that. And so when I wrote the agenda for this, I said, this is a recommend because I had watched 10, 15 minutes of the movie and it starts off beautifully. There's this one shot of Gary Oldman and uh, Antonio Banderas explaining everything very much like the big short like uh, explaining how the world works and everything. Uh, Gary Oldman has this wonderful German accent. Uh, Antonio Banderas has an Antonio Banderas accent. <laughs> and they're explaining all this stuff. And it's really, really exciting. Then it cuts to Meryl Streep, who's married to James Cromwell. And then there's there's a nice little repartee going on there. And then a inciting incident happens. And it's filmed beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to turn it off at that point. And I was like, God damn, this has already like got my interest. And then I watched the rest of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rest of this movie man is is trying to be the big short i think mm-hmm. but it's also like trying to be almost an anthology it cuts to like the two guys will introduce they'll be like well what about our client this and they'll do what feels like a 20 25 minute vignette on this person and their family and all that stuff and how the money works and all that stuff and then it'll bring it back and then I'll go into another thing, and then I'll bring it back. Sounds very and then I'll bring anthology like, yeah. And it and 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 then the Meryl Streep character, who was the driving force of this whole thing, like gets marginalized and basically like doesn't come back until like towards the end, and like her her character, um, her character arc doesn't really pay off from this inciting incident. And I was like, I've heard Oscar buzz for Gary Oldman in this movie. Like I've heard nothing but good shit. On this movie, turns out, yeah, I'm 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 not in the minority. Like there are people that really don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. They find it very like way too segmented. Uh, there's no, I mean, the cinematography is great. Soderbergh does Soderbergh stuff. I don't think he shot on iPhones for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, the whole story is just garbled, and it ends on this very preachy moment of, hey, we should we should not let people do this anymore. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if if you had made a better movie, I would be writing a fucking congressman right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. seriously. But uh, or you know, doing something because that'll help. Yes, that'll mm-hmm. help. I mean, there are movies that are like this that are inspirational or that get you mad, like The Big Short, mm-hmm. where you're just like incredulous about like, and and does, The Big Short almost says that this is going to happen again right at yeah. the end like this is bound to happen maybe yes. before you, a, you think there's a whole segment at the end where like uh where steve carell's like you know, they're gonna do what they always do they're gonna they're gonna blame immigrants they're gonna blame yeah. poor people and all that and then gosling comes in with his narration but that's not what happened no that's right and it goes through all this whole thing <laughs> like people were sent to jail and all that and he's like ah, actually no none that's of that right. happened yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then so like yeah uh yeah, that's sort of the idea is that every time that something like, you know, big happens like that, they have to blame other people. Yeah, and that's that's the end of that movie, and now I remember it, it gets you indignant. You're like, you know, hold on. 
we have to be more aware of this stuff. We mm-hmm. have to call people out for doing that stuff. And I think people since that movie and since the recovery and all that stuff have forgotten that. Mm-hmm. And maybe this movie is trying to remind them of that. It's not specifically about a like a, 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 a the, the the stock market overall, but it's mm-hmm. just about you know how how everything is consolidated to very few people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's just, it's clumsily done, which is weird for a Steven Soderbergh movie, mm-hmm. especially one with this cast. You know, I'm a sucker for like a great cast. Yeah. Uh, and this was, and everybody is very good. Uh, Meryl Streep is a, like a dynamite performance. Mm-hmm. Gary Oldman does very well. Antonio Banderas has gotten into this Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Where it's, it's almost puss in boots. Yeah. Like everything is punctuated with a very deep voice. <laughs> at the end. Yeah. And, uh, and especially when he's doing like mm-hmm. intros narration and stuff like that, it's mm-hmm. just like, he's falling in love with his own voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the performances are very, very good, but yeah, yeah, there is a nice little Will Forte, Chris Parnell, moment in here that's pretty funny but. all right <laughs> just tell me who you want me to find <laughs> yeah that's amazing it does that it brings it back i would say that this is a wreck of worn with more emphasis on the worn Ooh. Okay. the laundromat okay the laundromat the laundromat, laundromat. so we have laundromat. we have high recommends for dolomite is my name and apocalypse now and yeah we have a rec- breaking news yeah <laughs> and we have a wreck of worn for the laundromat um, i'm so glad there's I will try to get through my stack of shame and shit like that. And I think we should do more of that, of like recognizable movies that maybe we haven't seen all the way through. We know the the beats of them or something like that, but maybe we haven't dived into. That's why I mentioned Halloween in the last mm-hmm. one, because, you know, I've I've seen it's like uh, I've been to Prague, been to Prague. Like I've seen Halloween, seen Halloween, but yeah. I didn't watch it with the attention to detail that it that it shows yeah i'm trying to think of if there's a movie like that on my list right now that i just hate and everybody loves and and I'm, i can't think of one right now like the 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 classic one for me was pan's labyrinth mm-hmm. and having seen it in you know in the last couple of years or whatever i was like yeah you know what i wasn't given this movie it's fair due um and so now I'm completely turned around on that movie, uh, but uh, I can't think of anything right now that uh, is like that for me. Mm. I'm going to have to think mm. about that because I'd love to do that. Yeah. I'd love to go back and watch something that didn't have my- Midsummer is a is a recent one. Yeah, I but would, I would love for you to watch that without people talking. But I, I mean, that was going to happen anyway. That wasn't something that was going to last for like you know years and years. And I just hate that movie. I know I need to see that one again, especially the uh, circumstances yeah. that I watched it under. So, did you uh, ever see The Deer Hunter twice? Oh, I've seen the Deer Hunter three times. Have you really? Yeah. So now you, you, that might be another one that I can give. I can give one more chance mm-hmm. and see. But I, I, I'm still of the of the mind that Deer Hunter. I think people like Deer Hunter because of the Christopher Walken uh, Russian roulette scene more than anything. And and that's what people go away with. Boy, that was intense. But like there was two hours and thirty minutes of yawning before that. Mm, mm. Yeah, so I understand what you're. I, I love that two hours and thirty minutes. But um, but I see what you're saying about that one. Two hours and thirty minutes of yawning was the original title of Welcome to Marwin. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah, I, I'm, I've I've been I've seen it on cable showing up, and I've got it on Blu-ray, obviously. And I'm like, ah, this is the type of movie that I like to just pop in every once in a while. Like The Secret Life of Walter Mitty was one of those. Uh, and, you know, this pop in wants to be that. Mm-hmm. But no. Mm-hmm. It's like almost more depressing than my life. 
Like, oh God. it starts oh God. out <laughs> like he's he's been he was like a victim of this massive trauma beatdown, yeah. and he escapes by creating. Well, he takes photographs of these really detailed model, you know, six inch tall. You've seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's the best thing I can say about this. Well, movie. and apparently the documentary about that guy is amazing, which doesn't surprise me so because this seems that. to be what uh, Zemeckis is doing these days. Is mm-hmm. like, I got, oh, that was a great documentary. Let me dramatize it and make <laughs> yeah. a worse version. Hell yeah, because he did it with that the walk wall? on the yeah the walk on the wire. <laughs> Joseph Gordon, <laughs> walk on the wire. <laughs> Step on Step the show. On the shore. <laughs> Toad the That's the only wet, Toad the Wet Sprocket song you'll ever hear played on the radio anymore, by the way. No, All but I they, Want is still on there. Uh, okay. Maybe All I Want. But, but, still. but I like Walk on the Water a lot better. I like Toad the Wet Sprocket. They had like three really great albums in the 90s. I did too. Yeah. Hey, one more. One have more. you watched Scarface multiple times? yeah you have but that's another movie that i could give another chance at some point i didn't know if you'd only seen that once because i know you don't like it i've seen it have you seen it more than once no i think i've seen scarface mm, at least twice but three times as possible okay um but yeah it's another one that i could probably put on the list as watch again uh because and you know i love brian de palma movies Mm -hmm. i like his shitty movies Mm mm-hmm and Oliver Stone writing it and Al Pacino at his Pacinoist. Yep. I should love it, but something about it has always kept me from loving it. That's interesting. Especially especially that fucking scene with his sister and and uh and friend <laughs> getting married behind I, his back. I, I agree. That scene agree. infuriates you me. You know what though? I cuz I watched this again uh a few nights ago actually. It pays off in such a weird way, in such a, I think, De Palmy, De Palmy way, because mm-hmm. she comes up right before that big battle that Spielberg filmed uh, the, with all the Colombians coming up. She comes into his office when he's got that big mound of cocaine and seduces him. Yeah. And it's it's not just it, it's over the top because I think the movie's on drugs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's kind of like amped up. But she's just like, is this what you want? You know, because she's completely grief stricken and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio does a great job um, in, in kind of being a little like vulnerable and just having no clue what to do. Yeah. yeah. It, it is due to a very stupid decision. Like, hey, surprise. <laughs> yeah. You yep. murderous son of a bitch. Yep. <laughs> man. Uh, talk about crushes. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, man. Yes, indeed. I don't like her Cuban accent, but I like right. I like her. Right, right. She's very good in that. Yep. All right, everybody. It is time to talk about BetterHelp again. BetterHelp. BetterHelp. So we've had a good experience with this. Ooh. We've uh, we've talked a lot about this this service. It's an online counseling service that you can integrate with your home computer. I believe you can do it with other devices where you get matched up with a therapist or a counselor. And you can have access to to really from the comfort of your own home, like really high level counseling. I've found it awesome. I found the convenience awesome. Jonathan, who's our colleague, has has used it and said it, it it's fantastic for him. But really, haven't heard a whole lot from people, the listeners. We've we've seen a few like subreddit posts and stuff like sure. that. Uh, but we got a really, really, really nice email uh, from a listener 
that really surprised and almost got me choked up on this. And I want to I want to just read this real quick. Uh, it's a uh, long, long, long time lurker slash watcher slash podcast fan from Australia. So first up, thanks for your efforts and all that stuff. Secondly, I wanted to say thank you for recommending BetterHelp. A few years back, I started suffering from anxiety, and I got to the point where I was so cr- crippled that she had a nervous breakdown. She had then stopped going to therapy. She went to therapy for a while, live therapy, and found some benefit, but then stopped it and kind of got back into you know uh, some some anxiety and some depression and all that stuff. After hearing us talk about BetterHelp, she signed up for the service through our thing, BetterHelp.com slash Sincast, and she's having a good experience with it. She's in Australia. She looked it up to see if they could match her with somebody. Awesome. They could. This is an international thing. Awesome. I don't know if it's specific to your area, but check on it and let us know, too. And she's having a good experience with it. And it's amazing that somebody halfway around the world can have a similar experience as what I've experienced because it's been so positive. It's been so convenient. It's been so just eye opening. And to see this this happening for other people, especially outside of our comfort zone, outside of the U.S., was really, really cool. Really cool to read. That's awesome. I I had lunch. Like, this is how far we have to go. I had lunch with a very, very good friend I hadn't seen in like 10 years earlier this week. Um, And and some said something about anxiety. And this friend of mine, who I care about deeply and who cares about me, said, I feel like anxiety is just people who worry too much. Hmm. And I decided not to spend the entirety of the lunch, you know, schooling him yeah, yeah but i did briefly explain no it's really not that it's uh like there's, there's people who don't have firsthand experience with mental health issues or don't have a loved one or friend that does um uh, there's a lot of like ignorance out there and a lot of misinformation yeah. and uh, one of the reasons even before better health came along we've always been advocates for mental health um because you got to end those stigmas and you got to like educate people. Yes. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that better help is there, that they, they think therapy is this one set thing. I go to this stuffy office, I pay through the nose, there's weird art on the walls, and I'm uncomfortable. And better help is changing all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to leave your home. Um, they match you up with, with, professionals who are usually in your area mm-hmm. uh, they can help if if cost is a problem uh, and then it's you know it's totally flexible on how do you want to do this therapy do you want to do it video call do you want to do it phone call um, <clears throat> so I think it breaks down a lot of barriers uh, between uh, people and therapy um, and we hopefully we'll continue to see more and more people using the service like this gal absolutely the last thing I want to say on that is in my personal experience, I didn't know exactly because I've read a bunch of textbooks. I've taken a bunch of classes. I've I've seen a lot of people uh, with different. And it's not depression is not one thing. Depression is a lot of different sure. things, yeah. and it can manifest in different ways. Mental illness in general can manifest in a lot of ways. And what we had to do, me and my therapist, we had to define what was going on before we could do anything about it. Yeah. And that definition process takes takes some some work to get yeah. through you know your anxiety doesn't look like somebody else's anxiety right some people think personally that their anxiety is them worrying too much oh if i could just stop worrying so much i'd be fine it, it's not like that yeah and so you have to define that before you can do anything about it and just conceptually even i who had seen it so much 
forgot that step. I was like, yeah. all right, well, let's go. Let's, yeah. let's let the healing begin is in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, this is a great service. We can't recommend it enough. If you go to uh, betterhelp.com, betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash syncast, you get 10% off your first month of service, and that ain't nothing. Yeah, that works out, right? It does. Mm-hmm. That that, that that's that, something that's something. You get the feeling you get the feel <laughs> you for it feel for it so yeah it really is if you if you're having issues with the financial uh part of this ask them about it uh they're they're very very easy to work with when it comes to that don't let that be an impediment to signing up with this really just at least uh give it a shot if you need it uh they treat all sorts of issues addiction stress management depression anxiety all that stuff uh sign up today if you need it Betterhelp.com slash syncast. We love it. We love it. All right. So we got, we're going to do some questions and answers, Q&As. I want the truth. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Yeah, baby. I like this, this run of questions. So let's, uh, let's roll up our sleeves and take out our sacks and. All right. Uh, <laughs> cradle the balls and. Yes. <laughs> Everybody in position. What is uh, the, there's a Dave Chappelle thing where he's like, we're they're talking about the cops and everything is like, all right uh, spread your butt cheeks and lift your sack <laughs> did you hear me did you hear me man i said pull it i said i said spread open your butt cheeks and lift your sack <laughs> oh, my god. oh my god okay what are some of the biggest jokes that fall flat for you in good movies uh some where you don't even understand the punchline my example is the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movie, Paul. <laughs> it's interesting. I wouldn't call that a good movie, but I understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, there's some people who like that. It's got yeah. kind, of, kind of a cult following. At the end, it is revealed that a character's name is L- Lorenzo Zoyle, and this is given a full beat in the movie. It is simply a reference to Lorenzo's Oil, a movie that has nothing to do with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember that part being in there, but uh, it's an interesting question. Jokes... In otherwise good movies that fall flat for you. Wasn't Lorenz Tate in Lorenzo's Oil? Mm. Sorry, I just wanted to make that mm. alliteration joke. You know what? Now I have to look it up because okay. that's all about. That'd like, be awesome if he was. Them finding the uh, the cure for their kid. I don't know. I don't think I ever saw he, Lorenzo's he is, Oil. He is not. Okay. Um, damn. Uh, so I, I wrote down an answer. I'll give that answer in a minute. But I just realized uh, the jokes that fall flat for me are... How do I say this? When ad lib comedians just stammer, Kevin Hart in Central Intelligence, mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy in half Melissa McCarthy, movies, mm-hmm. where they think it's like Kevin Hart specifically in Central Intelligence has like two scenes where it's like, ah, ooh, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. And like, like his exasperated noises are supposed to be funny just because and yeah. they're not. Yeah. yeah and yeah. they're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, Brad Pitt. What is that? In Moneyball. Moneyball. I sat at that table (laughs) where you say to those kids' parents, I know and I know and I know, and you don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I completely agree because, and and you know what? Unfortunately, those antics do make a lot of people laugh because there's that whole, there's the whole humor from not being able to know what to say and you're Kevin Hart, so you're doing it, so you're funny. Hey, look, everybody, it's kevin hart and he's doing stuff yeah well i yeah i know i it's almost like they're trying to i just recently watched elf and bob newhart 
does his Bob Newhart stuff, his yeah. Papa Elf, where he's, he's, he's stammering yeah. Yeah. even on like very simple sentences. And I find it endearing just because I kind of grew up with it. But like, you know, I think that's that's the type of mannerism but that's that timing. comedians are trying to say correct. that's comic timing. I think that they're they're trying to do that, yep. but they're ending up with this flailing about thing and people like the flailing about in a different way yeah know? yeah this is this is where jeremy is coming from on the kevin hart and who was the other one melissa mccarthy, melissa McCarthy is they're struggling to find something to say right. that's funny and they're caught in the middle of this like thing where they're hey we're just gonna run the camera and let you riff and that's the, probably the best they could come up with mm-hmm. at the time uh to stay within story and everything whereas newhart is is definitely doing that whole like He's trying to get that timing down, mm-hmm. and that stammering comes from that. He knows what he's going to say. Yeah. Uh, even in In and Out, he does that. I think a little. Oh bit. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? It's part so of his thing. It's his thing. So it's his thing. What did you write down? I wrote down fart jokes, <laughs> <laughs> except for Finding Nemo. This is the only one that ever made me laugh. I, that I will say that it's become a meme since, but the one in George in the Jungle where he steps in the shit, I think, <laughs> and they actually make a point in the movie to just sort of stop the movie dead and have the natives behind him. He's like, ha ha, a man has stepped into, into, into the doo-doo. He's like, now this is the part of the movie where we hold our heads back and laugh. <laughs> 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 it may be the only funny thing that ever came out of george of the jungle who knows uh what's her name was in that though uh oh. my secret girlfriend who's married to apatow oh Jean leslie Horn. man yeah oh. she was in that gene triple Horn. it is interesting by the way going and i don't know when that conversation about gene triple it might be outtakes but uh but gene triple horn like you know you have some of these actors who are like i've done nude scenes before and now there's another movie calling for me to do it i'm done with that shit mm-hmm. you know it's interesting to me because you you think yeah well you know you've already done it why not do it again and yeah well amelia clark on clark on game of thrones had the full journey she yeah. did nudity in season one did, had stunt nudity for the middle seasons and by season five or six she decided and it was for her it was like an empowering thing i'm going to take ownership of this and she did her own, her own nude scene yeah again. interesting i didn't know that well hmm. yeah i mean there was it was one of those things where she was new on the scene and that's all people ever asked her about yeah and <laughs> i think she wanted to say look i'm more than that yeah. so i mean you know even being on that successful like that would get so fucking old oh so fucking oh, yeah. annoying oh yeah all right so I'm also going to stretch the definition of good with mine, but uh, I think the spirit of this question doesn't require the movie to be good, I don't think. Uh, But Basketball is a movie Mm -hmm. that I find hilarious in many instances. Obviously, there are moments in there that are not so hilarious, but I found I I was thinking about this movie. There's a couple of points where I don't think um, it does well, and I'll tell you why uh the psych outs for instance are supposed to be funny i guess Mm -hmm. uh and i I don't even understand much about it like the psych outs in in basketball so if you're not familiar with the movie they're playing a baseball basketball hybrid where the players just to sort of decide whether or not they're going to hit a single a double a triple or a home run and they shoot a basketball behind the corresponding lines and what the defense is doing is they're trying to psych out their opponent so that you know, if they miss, they get points for being a psych out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I didn't ever understand. Like, it seems like every time the player is 
is unsuccessfully psyched out, they hit the basket. Yeah. Like, did, did, what if they're not psyched out and they throw it and, yeah, and whatever? Yeah. There's one in particular, though. I mean, like, nearly all the psych outs in that movie are not funny at all. None of them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the only one that got me was the Cartman impression. See, and I'm about yeah. to do the Cartman. Oh, one. I'm sorry. The, the 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 Cartman one itself is is might be funny, but the way they punctuate it makes it fall flat for me. Oh yeah. Uh, so there's a guy who's about to go up and and try to try to hit a home run, quote unquote, and uh, they need they need him to miss. And Trey Parker, because this is in the height of of South Park being a thing and everything. Of course, he has to do a Cartman voice, and he's like, "I don't know. Won't you like?" Squeak tells him, "Won't you tell him he's fat?" <laughs> and he's like, and "He's like, dude, that's not cool." <laughs> and uh, he's like, I, "I don't know." And he goes over, and Trey Parker does this, "Hey, you guys, I'm fucking fat. Hey, yeah. guys, I'm fucking fat," and all that. And this psychs the guy out completely, and he misses and everything. He misses so badly that he falls to the ground. <laughs> And the sh- the ground shakes. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. and while Trey Parker's in the middle of this Cartman thing, it's like it's like oh we know we we, we indulged a little bit too much there. Let's cut him off while he's doing his Cartman thing. <laughs> There's a thing that movies do where they cut themselves off. Like if you're gonna go Cartman, go full Cartman. Uh-huh. Just let him continue doing the thing. Don't like make Trey Parker fall down too. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're they're basically interrupting their own joke when they do that. They're uh-huh. basically saying, yeah, yeah, we know we, he we shouldn't have gone there. We shouldn't have we should have just left the South Park out of this. <laughs> And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why he gets knocked to the ground ah. because they're cutting him off. And I don't like that. I think that makes your joke shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And you should just let, you should just let it breathe. Sometimes you need to cut, you cut on a perfect spot and that's, that's your joke and everything in the same movie. Robert Stack does a great job doing unsolved mysteries again <laughs> in basketball. And yeah. there's a lot of shit he says that's hilarious in this. But there's a point in there where they're like, okay, so the unsolved mystery is where did Coop go? The Trey Parker character. Where did Troop, where did Coop go? And they are asked, they do these interviews. Matt Stone is like, is like, uh, hell if I know, he could have, he probably just hanged himself in his own fucking closet. And then, and, uh, and Robert Stack is like, scenario one, he hanged himself in his own fucking closet. <laughs> and, and it shows like a reenactment of it and everything. And then it goes to his girlfriend, Yasmin Bleeth. And she's like, he's like, if you want to find Coop, I I suggest that you find the place where they where they uh n- where there's a never-ending heinous exploitation of children and uh and robert stack is like scenario two he went to disney world uh, and so like th- that's a good joke yeah but instead of cutting to something else or or continuing like that he didn't say that there's an eye dart there's a there's a head tilt oh, and yeah. there's an acknowledgement that he said something real fucked up ah. and that makes the joke fall flat yeah. For me. yeah yeah the the joke itself is funny he went to disney world and then you just keep going yeah, yeah. you don't say anything else so to me a lot of things have to do with timing and and what you do in the middle of that's why i don't like there this is going to be very obscure i brought something up like i brought something up like this in one of our old music video sims uh it's that um who is it, it was, it's ariana grande with um what's her name australian chick the oh, uh, iggy azalea iggy azalea oh yeah yeah fancy yeah and uh there's a point where where she she does sort of a callback to jay-z and says i got 99 problems and something you uh-huh. know bitch ain't one or something like mm-hmm. that and she goes like what yeah, yeah. and i'm like 
just own just own it don't say like what at the end of this just own that you're stealing that shit and move on when you say that like what you're just basically saying i stole this shit now what you know and that's what it sounds like to me maybe that's not the intent but to me that's something that that sort of ruins that moment so that's what that's why those things fall flat for me I believe that's problem. I said it was uh, fancy, but it's problem. Yeah, it is problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Robert Stack because Robert Stack's bit in Beavis and Butthead to America is funny at first. The the deep body cavity search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they come back to that joke so fucking much. It's it's done every time. Every every time they arrest somebody. We get it. We get it. And he's like deep and hard or thorough or whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny, but yeah. Greg Kinnear's the one who sort of steals it in in those scenes. He's got, he's the Bork character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's like, body cavity search, sir. Yeah, there's a point where like, uh, like, uh, he comes up and goes, Hey, you know that camper that the boys were whacking off in? He's like, Bork, you're a federal agent. You never end a sentence with a preposition. <laughs> <laughs> and then so he tries to say that later. Do you know that camper in off they were whacking? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh mine so so, uh in pulp fiction there's a couple of like jokes that i think are supposed to be jokes or witticisms that fall flat for me obviously the whole jimmy monologue in the kitchen that's supposed to be either shocking or funny or whatever it is Mm -hmm. ain't funny it's just 19 it's 1994 correct yeah i also have cringed every time that they do that whole my name is this and this and this Uh, the bartender is like my name's paul and this is between y'all and then in, when they're in uh, Brett's apartment, it's, uh, my name's Pitt, and your ass ain't talking your way out of this shit. Yeah. And it happens a few more times in the thing. And I'm like, man, it's, it's just Tarantino I, falling in love with his own I think thing. It, I think it's Tarantino sort of trying to infuse his characters with some possibly non-witty things. I don't know if he likes them himself. Hmm. Uh, it's possible. It's possible he loves those little jokes mm-hmm. and everything. He loves those little things, but it also makes it sound. It, when I've heard those things, and I have the same reaction to those mm-hmm. as you do, uh, it's that he's trying to infuse his characters with. They can't always be slick. They can't always have the right thing to say. So mm-hmm. let's have them with some like really goofy thing that's why you have like don't be a square or yeah. rectangle. Um, that that one at the end where he's like oh, i'm gonna mess up her name but he says like say goodbye raquel and she goes goodbye raquel yeah, 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 yeah. i always bugged the shit out of me yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, but that's something that when you're dealing with people you don't know that's some random shit that they would say yeah, yeah. to yeah. try to be funny like i'm endearing see i know I, you I, may be right i tell jokes it's very writerly and actually the next one i have is is where you can tell that it's it's writerly whether you, you can tell like the dialogue is being put into the, the mouth the last time i remember him doing that and maybe he's done it since but he's done a lot of period pieces since so i don't really know uh if if he's if he's done it but the last one i remember like that is in kill bill when she when uh, uma thurman's about to fight lucy lou and and there's a point where he's like silly rabbit and they're like tricks are for kids oh, yeah. yeah that yeah. part yeah, you yeah. know that's the last one i remember him 
really going deep on something where let's give them something cheesy to say oh yeah that's funny yeah, yeah. you know i i agree i don't like it yeah. you know <laughs> we actually uh we've discussed this amongst ourselves recently but in the shining mm-hmm. movie that i absolutely revere and adore mm-hmm. uh there's there's another moment where it's it's a jokey type of thing that you can tell is just overwriting mm-hmm. whether it's either from the book or from the screenplay or for both but it's where Jack goes into the gold room and meets Lloyd, the fam- phantom bartender. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what will it be? And he's like, I like you, Lloyd. I've always liked you. The best damn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, that's just such a like an awkward thing to say. Because now he does this thing, this affectation when he's talking to Lloyd, where he says the same thing twice all the time here are the dog that bit me lord here are the dog you know mm-hmm. uh, you can say that again you, 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 I, I forget the exact uh, things but he says things twice and it annoys me and it is the same thing with this timbuktu to portland maine or portland oregon for that matter <laughs> bullshit anyway otherwise the movie's perfect you know one of david letterman's rules of comedy was that repetition equals laughs repetition equals laughs yeah but yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah, how he would do it. well that's okay, what yeah, yeah. what he would do is he would say something that wasn't funny and and it would die and then he would go he would say the same thing to yeah. paul they're saying blah 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 paul you know yeah yeah paul would say the, yeah that's, that's what they're saying and then people would start laughing yeah. and then he would just keep bringing it back yeah. up oh my I god miss letterman i, I know uh let's do another one here we go. I'm going to try to pronounce this. Halaj, Sincast. Halaj. Mm. Now, you, we probably totally fucked that up. Halaj. <laughs> Halaj. I am born and raised in Denmark. Ooh. So when I watched The Danish Girl, I thought it was great and fun to see my small country being showcased in such a big movie production. But one thing I thought was stupid about it is that they portrayed the town Vejla, where Eddie Redmayne's character is from, as having a great lake surrounded by white tinned mountains. It is not the case. Denmark is pretty much a pancake. I know it was a conscious choice for the director, but I still think they could have filmed it maybe not in Vejla, but in Denmark. <laughs> I'm looking this up to see if there's a pronunciation somewhere because <laughs> God, I I hate like I hate it when we fuck these things up so badly. <laughs> you know, I feel bad that we do that, you know. We are we're we're doing it with all respect and Oh, all that sure. Stuff. Uh, we're doing our best here. So the question is, are there movies that you have watched where you have thought it didn't represent a country city town as it really is by filming in another place using a green screen uh, when they may have just filmed it in the right place? Oh. The Nick Picking Grumpy Dane. I completely misunderstood this question. Yeah, I mean, d- does it have to be green screen? No, no, no. I, mean, I don't I think, think so. Just I, something for another thing. I, I, you know, look, I, I lived in New York for three years. I'm not an expert of New York or anything like that. But I do know that when I see certain things, it's fucked up. Mm, yeah. Um, and and so, Clay, you know, like I didn't know where that fucking stairway was in Joker. I right. mean, that's in the Bronx. I went the Bronx twice while I was out there. To so see I see Yankee games? Yeah, yeah, I saw a Yankee game and I went to the zoo, oh, I think, yeah. once. And so, like, uh, so there's some things that I don't know, but when it comes to like driving around Manhattan or Queens or anything like that, when people do stuff, <laughs> it's just like, no, that's goddamn impossible. Yep. And, uh, and, and recently in, uh, John Wick three, there's a part yeah. like at the beginning where he's, uh, looking to get some like, uh, he's, 
he first off he wants to go to the public library he's from john wick 2 he has run from central park to Times square which is not the the time that it took him i can i can deal with that mm-hmm. but then he gets into a cab for some stupid reason to go to, to, to go to the library and uh and the and then the cab's like uh, you know it, it's obvious not obviously not gonna go anywhere so he leaves his dog there tells him to take to take to take him to the uh, hotel or whatever he runs to the public library now he's got till six o'clock before everybody does the excommunicado and starts trying to kill him and everything it's so it's it's roughly five forty five five 50 or so once he gets to the library he has to find this book it's got all his fucking medallions and crosses and shit and mm. and uh and he gets in a fight with a dude and then the next thing that we see is him running around chinatown oh and he's gone from the public library to chinatown before six o'clock mm-hmm. i mean i don't think any of this is possible no matter what's happened <laughs> uh but he's it's it's i mean he must have made a run that is probably a good 30 minutes to an hour in five minutes chinatown is southwest of the library right uh i don't know about that but it's it's low lower manhattan it's the public library yeah, yeah. public library is in is in downtown or central yeah, or yeah, yeah. whatever and it's and then downtown is where chinatown is and so like <laughs> the, the, it's insane so like there's a lot of movies that do this they they're like you know they could be in harlem and they're like oh let's go to the brooklyn bridge and yeah, they're yeah. right there <laughs> and uh and everything so they, there's a lot of that but uh i lived in queens and it's amazing to me watching movies that talk about queens in a certain way that like it's some small burg <laughs> of some sort i don't know what or a neighborhood yeah, or yeah. or whatever in coming to america there's a scene where they get uh he and arsenio hall eddie murphy and arsenio hall get to the airport they get in a cab i think they go to jfk i'm not sure which one either way it doesn't matter if they're in laguardia or jfk they're in queens at that point they get in the cab and they ask him ask the cab driver could you take us to queens And the guy's like, oh, yeah, we can take you anywhere. It could take you. Uh, there's a lot of like they're looking for some average place in Queens or whatever, something very average. It's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of that here in Queens. I can take and and like there's no like where what city or or anything. There's a million cities in Queens. You can go to like the Queens is huge. There's actual like townships or like cities in Queens. I lived in a place called Fresh Meadows. There was ah. uh there were the the Mets play in a place called Flushing. That's where the yeah, U.S. Yeah. Open is. There's a Long Island City. There's Astoria. There's a million different places. Ah, yeah. There's uh there's Jamaica, which yeah, is where yeah. Fifty Cents from. Mm-hmm. All of these are cities like little towns in in Queens. So when somebody says ah I'm gonna go to Queens, <laughs> that's a huge fucking place, and it does it in Usual Suspects when they're drilling Kevin Pollock, and they're like I can put you on Queens and they put you in queens in the type night of the robbery and he goes like oh really i live in queens you know you got a bunch of monkeys running around the clock on this thing and whatever and it's like yeah you i mean you might live in queens but that's a huge fucking place yeah, so yeah. to be first for the cops to be able to put you there is stupid and that that you live there doesn't have anything to do with anything either yeah. so like you know um it, it's it's one of those things so i think they get new york wrong a lot I don't think if you're making a movie though that you're you have to concern yourself with all these things. Yeah. But there are I mean people from New York and people who have spent a lot of time in New York are going to be like, "What the mm-hmm. fuck? This doesn't make sense." Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's goofy. Uh, I have no good answers for this. <laughs> I really don't. I I'm I'm going to cheat. Um and I think I've even talked about this on the podcast before, but anytime the Titans play um primetime, <laughs> 
the telecast going to commercial and coming mm. back to commercial just shows you Broadway and Second Avenue mm-hmm. and honky tonks and the boot shop and the cowboy hats and the, the woo girls and the pedal taverns and the, and it, it gives what is a, an extremely false picture of Nashville. Um, I understand why they do it. Those are some of the most known things about Nashville, birthplace of country music, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the city is super liberal compared to like what you would expect country music city USA to be. Mm-hmm. Um, huge rock scene. Um, it's just, it's, I hate whenever they pigeonhole the city that way because yeah. the city I fell in love with is has very little to do with country it's music. It's like mm. if you were to go and do a New York sports cast and show just Times Square. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Or it's, it's very similar to movies when they, or in shows when the, the, the cast goes to London and we see Big Ben and <laughs> Parliament <laughs> yeah. and the, the Ferris wheel. Right. And it's just a, an easy way. I think it even makes sense from a from a production standpoint to to just subconsciously show the audience that you know where we're at now. Plus the this is the lazy part of it too, right? It's the closest that they can get to a Nashville city proper. Yeah. Uh they don't want to go out to like the outreaches and go to like an exit in right. or something like that because it's right across the river is is second avenue and broadway and all that so it's easy for them to hey take a truck down there take a camera down there we'll we'll, we'll do we'll show all that and, and you know they don't have to go anywhere like that anybody hasn't seen before so yeah. and also the famous percy jackson sin for where they turn <laughs> they turn the wrong way trying to yes. go to the parthenon <laughs> <laughs> uh mine is no surprise to be chicago based because there's same problems that we have with uh, geography in in New York mm-hmm. as in Chicago. It feels like you can just pop over anywhere in Chicago. And Chicago is a pretty big, pretty, pretty big city. Yeah, and uh, not that easy to get away, uh, get around. the uh, The classic one is um, when Harry met Sally, where they're driving north on Lakeshore Drive from University of Chicago instead of going south the way that they should be going. Uh, but my big thing, uh, heretical thing, is with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because to in order for them to accomplish all the stuff that Ferris needs to do, they have to really seriously play with some geography. Now, some of it makes perfect sense. When they go to Little Italy and they do Abe Frome and the Sausage King and all that stuff, and they park the car and all that stuff, and even when they go to the art museum, that all is in the same area. But in between that, first of all, they, they go, go down, then they go back they? all the way to like uh, fucking Winnetka or whatever it is. <laughs> then they come back down. Then they go to Wrigley, which is by definition, let's see, that's 60. So it's, yeah, it's like four miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, take in ostensibly an entire Cubs game and then come all the way back down to do the, the parade thing mm-hmm. in not Bridgeport, but around the downtown area. And when area. you say four miles, like to people out in the country, that sounds like not a long drive. Right. But in a city, four miles is like 30 miles. Yes. That's like 45 minutes. Yes. Yes. And it's just, uh, it, it's just ridiculous how they cram all that stuff in there. I'm glad they do, but I can tell I'm like, oh man, that's, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, did I have one more? Oh, it is funny that you know, we have to say something about like how often stuff is filmed in Canada. 
uh, that's supposed to be in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, particularly Vancouver and Toronto. And uh, I remember watching, even back in the day, Rumble in the Bronx, having never been to New York, having you know no experience with the Bronx or whatever, knowing that doesn't look right because yeah. there's like mountains in the background oh, and yeah. shit like that. And that was filmed in Vancouver. So mm-hmm. mm. Oh, I like this one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. My question is this. What would be the worst or best change to a movie if you swapped two <laughs> actors of the same first name? I tell you what, you can find way more worst than you can find yeah. best. Oh, totally, totally. I sat there for fucking hours trying to think of a best <laughs> on this. I didn't. I just wrote Well, worst yeah, totally. Jeremy definitely didn't. I saw I was doing mine when he wrote when his came in and I was like the fuck is he doing? <laughs> so, Jeremy, yeah, go ahead. Do your- uh, Christian Slater is the Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> this is your best? No, uh, no, they're both worst. So I didn't come up with any bests. Uh, the other one was Tom Selleck as Forrest Gump. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Yeah, now that one, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Let's think about this, though. <laughs> Christian Slater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's actually, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, it's been going around the uh, the, the screen tests for The Dark Knight, or for Ooh. Batman Begins. Oh, yeah? And Killian Murphy is shown playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. Another guy that plays a character, I forget what it is, in Batman Begins, uh, is doing Bruce Wayne and Batman, and then Bale doing that thing, too. And it's amazing that uh, Killian Murphy was an awesome Batman, but yep. a shitty Bruce Wayne. Huh. And the other guy was an awesome Bruce Wayne, but a shitty Batman. Hmm. And then it was the Goldilocks thing of just right. I mean, are we positive that Christian Slater could not do that? Yes. Why? It's not like Bale is is excellent, but is is Bale the best part of those movies? No. No, but can you imagine Slater even even just not not being and Slater has the capability of just being a kind of a serious actor. Yeah. It's like most of the things that we've seen him in, you know, he definitely has all that, you know, he's got, he's got always have that Christian Slateriness yeah, about him. He's got that sound. Yeah. He's got that <laughs> sound. And so like to hear him, I'm, I'm imagining him in the scene in the dark night where he and uh, Aaron Eckhart and and Maggie Gyllenhaal are all there, and he's got the the model girlfriend, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's talking about they're talking about heroes, and you know, yeah. you live long enough to be the villain and all that. I can't imagine Christian Slater in that scene at all. Now, I haven't watched Mr. Robot. Have you guys watched that at all? I have not. No. Apparently, he's gotten very good reviews for that performance. Rami Malek, no, or Christian Cr- Slater. Christian Slater mm-hmm. has. In fact, he won a Golden Globe for it. Really? Yeah. Um. And so maybe I, yeah, I haven't even seen him do anything recently. Yeah. Um, but, He's like been a voice on Archer and oh, stuff like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I've always been a fan. I think there's a – he could definitely – I think he could pull off Bruce Wayne despite what you just said. And I think I think pulling off Batman is probably a little bit easier than you, than you think. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe. I'm taking this way too seriously. You obviously. definitely are. Yeah. Especially just, since my Tom Selleck Forrest Gump was way funnier than Christian Slater as Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be fucking Magnum great. Magnum P.I. doing Forrest Gump quotes. With I, or without the mustache? <laughs> with. It's got to be with. It's got to be with. There, there are, I mean, obviously, we can't think of this because we because we don't i mean he he could go in there and kill it for all yeah, we know yeah. i just can't imagine him being in that role uh but no i mean there's of course batman and whoever plays batman is never what the movie it's never the success of that movie yeah. it's always the villains yeah 
And I don't see, I mean, it, it, every time there was a, there's a big uproar about who's Batman and everything. I'm like, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Jeremy's came in while I was writing mine. I had Tom Cruise instead of Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump. <laughs> as your worst. Right? Yeah, as my worst. Oh, my God. And, uh, and so, so, the whole affectations and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, God. It has to all be there. I was sitting there. I was sitting there thinking, though, like, there's very few roles that either one of them could switch on, and oh, it would yeah. make any sense. You oh, can't yeah. put Tom Hanks in Top Gun. Or Mission if, Impossible. Or Far and Away. <laughs> <laughs> He's all ripping off his shirt and ready to pass. I feel like Tom Cruise would be way too intense as Forrest Gump. He'd yeah. be like, Mama always told me life was like a no, Oh, yeah. Chocolates. Oh, yeah. He would be driven. It would be a simple Jack performance. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Um, <laughs> my eyes red. Like, I can't even see Cruise in Philadelphia. There's only, like, one movie, maybe, Road to Perdition, that he could yeah, possibly oh, have pulled, pulled off the Michael character. Uh, and that would have reunited Cruz and Newman from Color of Money. Oh yeah, that's right. But uh, but that's the only one I could think of at the top of my head that they could actually switch, and it would you wouldn't lose much. What about Apollo thirteen? Uh, I mean, it would, you would definitely lose something. There's a the levels more of an everyman. Yeah, and I don't know if Cruz can pull off everyman. Or yeah, yeah Cruz yeah. would have been the bill or the the. Is it Bill Paxson who doesn't get to go? No, it's uh, Gary, Gary Sinise. Sinise. He would have played that role in that movie. What about Ken the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> oh, yeah, Da Vinci Code. Well, he could pull off the hairstyle. He's got <laughs> yeah. half the performance done. Oh, yeah. But oh, uh, as far as my best, like I said, I took a, a long time, and it, and it ended up probably not being the best one that I could come up with. But I really, I was sitting there like, okay, what about this movie? Eh, I mean, eh, that, that, that person's kind of perfect. Or eh, that person has no name like anybody else's name. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's a, a lot of the, like a lot of the actresses I went through, I was like, yeah, there's not very many Angelinas out there. Merrill's, <laughs> Merrill's, uh, Lupita's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Chiwetel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not many of those. So Chiwetel Johnson in Twelve Years a Slave. <laughs> right, right, right. Awesome. Uh, but I ended up on. I think this is a good one. Ben Mendelsohn instead of Ben Affleck in Argo. Oh. oh. Um. The only thing that feels like drags Argo slightly down, and it's not that Ben Affleck's bad. It's yeah. just that the idea of him, I don't know, something about him in that movie puts me off sometimes. I could dig it. And uh, I, I'd rather him just be directing the movie. And uh, you put Ben Mendelsohn in, and they're about the same age. It seems weird to say that, but they're about two years apart. Um, so, like, uh, I think he would be better suited to be in that. I don't know. Something about Ben Affleck in that movie, you know, rubs me the wrong well, way. Well, it's, yeah. uh, it's a great film, but he's the worst part of it. Yeah. And it's, it may just be a function of, I think he conceived his character as sort of an everyman. And so he gave all the juicy shit to Cranston and John Goodman. Mm -hmm. And so his character doesn't really have an arc mm -hmm. he's he's just the the hero like the he's mm. just there yeah. um but yeah i was thinking about this the other day because i watch gone baby gone and the town pretty regularly especially when one of the movie channels has them on and i don't think his presence hurts the town the way it does in argo yeah no um, definitely not hey i think he's indelible to the town i think yeah. he's awesome yeah and i think it's because he's playing 
not he in real life Affleck is not a criminal, but his character's <laughs> much closer to Affleck in yeah, that he's definitely. a Boston, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Charleston, whatever kind of guy. But anyway, no, yeah. I agree. I think in the town he has to be in that. That's he seems right in there. Argo, he always seems out of place, and he I does. can't figure it out. And he would be out of place in Gone Baby Gone too if he had if he had <laughs> taken that role. Oh my god! Too. Yeah, uh, Casey was the perfect. If I uh, see you again, I'm gonna get discourteous on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for my, I'll go for my best first, uh, because I've always, uh, you know, my love for Tombstone, mm-hmm. and I love uh, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday is perfect. Um, Sam Elliott as Virgil is perfect. Kurt Russell is very, very good in, as Wyatt Earp. I don't think the screenplay serves him all that well sometimes, but Bill Paxton's character has always bothered me in that movie because mm-hmm. he's. I love Bill Paxton. He's great in stuff like Frailty. He's great in stuff like Aliens. But he's also he's typically got kind of a goofy side to him, especially in this early '90s uh, type of area. And so I, his performance has always bothered me. And so I'm cheating a little bit, but I would replace him with Bill E. Bob Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> and it would, oh, dude! After you finish this, I have to explain a uh, a a um, subtitle thing that's in Dolomite that is unbelievable. Oh, Go nice. ahead. Uh, it would be easy to replace him because he's in the movie. I was going to say, isn't he in that? movie? He's in the movie. He's the guy that's that's causing all the you know get that goddamn cigar smoke out of my face. He's in the, uh, the 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 gambling parlor when Wyatt Earp first walks in. Yeah. And that's the one that Wyatt Earp, he goes up to him and he's like, skin that smoke wagon and see what it gets you. When he's trying to reach oh, for yeah. his gun, skin it, boy. And then he starts smacking him and he doesn't do anything. He smacks him again. He starts bleeding. He's like, you know, you can do anything or you can just stand there and bleed. Ooh, and nice. Billy Bob stands there and bleeds. <laughs> and then Wyatt Earp buys the place. But Billy Bob, man, he could bring some fucking Western like gravitas to that Morgan role because mm-hmm. he he's the one that gets shot and dies, mm-hmm. and he's got that line where it's like you know how people see say that they see a white light, it ain't true. I don't see a goddamn thing. When Bill Paxton says that, he's doing it almost with a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Billy Billy Bob Thornton could fucking crush that scene. Yeah. So that's my that's my best. I uh I recently saw Monsters Ball again. He's so good in that. Oh, he's yeah. So he's such a good actor. I don't tend to like him personally there's just some sort of weird thing with me yeah but i mean i know and i know in like interviews in the past he comes off a little bit you know standoffish sean and gruff. Penny. Yeah, yeah sean penny that's a good it's a good yeah. uh, description uh my worst is amy adams replaced with amy schumer yeah in arrival <laughs> oh god and of course it becomes a completely different movie. Now listen, this is jokey. I I agree, but it's also like not totally a, a laugh thing because she does have a film career now. Mm-hmm. Between the sna- the vagina thing, is it snatched? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't the, a vagina thing though. It was about kidnapping. Well, but what? But wasn't it about snatches? No, it no. was just that was the name. Her, that they, and her mom get kidnapped. It's the dirty sounding name. Yeah, that I mean, they gave the, it. Okay. And then uh, what was the uh, I Feel Pretty was yeah, the other I one, feel right? Pretty. Uh, and then she was great in Trainwreck, but she was playing herself, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, imagine Amy Schumer with all of that gravitas uh, that has to be on Amy Adams' role in fucking a run. I know. I know. And then replace Jeremy Renner with Jeremy Davies. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad. 
Uh, I was just trying to, I was just, I was going for a thing there. And replace Forrest Whitaker with Forrest Gump. <laughs> Frederick <laughs> Forrest. It was, it was funny in my, in my brain. I like, it. I like your brain. What is the Dolomite thing? Uh, there's a part of the beginning where I think it's, I think it's Snoop Dogg puts on a Sly and the Family Stone record and there's the, uh, you know, I want to thank you for letting me be myself and all that. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the, I have the subtitles on. And I, and I watched this whole movie. There is absolutely no other like weirdness that happens in this movie except during the Sly and the Family Stone thing. So I'd like, I'd like to thank you for letting me, which, which they spell out in one complete word, uh-huh. for letting me <laughs> be myself, which is just be myself, but they spelt it mice elf. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Be mice elf. Nice. So like you're sitting there like is that what Sly and the Family Stone meant when they did, made that song like like uh, thank you for letting me be mice elf yeah that'd be what hilarious. the hell that's weird that I, sounds like something like YouTube's automated right voice technology would come up with right but you would also think that if that's the case they would have fucked the whole movie up yeah yeah and and then you would just be like okay well I guess I'm not gonna watch this with subtitles yeah. then. But like that, that's the one spot where they were like, "All right, uh, guess what he's saying is mice elf." Mice I don't elf. don't know what they're don't know what other word it could be. I just pulled up the lyrics. It's that it's exactly that mice elf mice elf again. So they're just jokers who made made a song and then for their lyric sheet decided to be playful. Yeah, it's thank like, you for letting me. All one word. Be mice elf again. A G I yeah. Okay. Dr- drugs. The, either either whoever made that is fucking with us or Sly and the Family Stone is fucking with us. Uh, yeah. In fact, it's subtitled. Okay. This is Genius Lyrics, which I trust. It's subtitled. Thank you. Uh, subtitle. Uh, for letting me be mice elf again. You see that? Yeah. It's like that Pearl Jam song daughter where he says uh, <laughs> violins but the the lyric sheet oh, says yeah, 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 yeah. violence Vi- violence or violins like gives yeah, yeah. you the choice yeah. whatever you heard is right <laughs> like you fucking wrote the song you know what you sang but if, if you're gonna let me be mice elf that has no fucking meaning no no it does not no it definitely doesn't uh it's sly fucking with you it's sly yeah. fucking with you <laughs> yeah. fuck sly fuck sly <laughs> sly only helps <laughs> sly only hurts it never ever helps wow um, i never knew that we've all learned something today we have you know what and we i uh, went through that and there's somebody out there who's listening who goes no no that's exactly what the lyrics are Wow. Well, it's it's comforting to know that they were accurate. It's weird to know that that's the 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 way that the lyrics are stylized. Look, everything that we've looked up and referenced is wrong. Okay, <laughs> and so, so I don't know what I don't know what else to say. It is weird because Prince, who worships Sly Stone, um, he used to do stuff like that, just misspell lyrics intentionally. Obviously, he did like the four and the two and you and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Kurt Cobain used to do this too, actually. Um, on uh on the the lyrics for rape me he would put like hate me but write it like uh h-a-i-g-h-t oh yeah yeah uh, so yeah i uh, people are people are weird hey Lind, I, real quick um can we talk about megan the stallion sure i feel like she added the second e because she definitely wanted everyone to pronounce the the as the instead of the yeah and once you add a second e you change that word to a different word and now your rap name makes no sense right it, it it it's basically saying Megan, Megan U. Stallion. U Stallion. Yes, it's fucked up. It's yeah. stupid. <laughs> it's kind of like um, 
Led Zeppelin decided not to use the na- the the word le- L-E-A-D. They didn't spell it that way because they felt like stupid Americans would call them Lead, Lead Zeppelin. Well, and we they are, would. We would. We are would. <laughs> I mean, no, there's no doubt about it. We would have been calling them Lead Zeppelin. There's no doubt. I think the same thing happened with, what, Def Leppard? Oh, yeah. And the O'Neaters. Oh, and the O'Neaters. <laughs> oh, excuse me, that's O'Neaters. You actually don't get enough credit for doing stuff like that on the fly in narration for like Red and Reed and stuff like that. Oh, well. If it's not spelled out for you, because I think about phoneticizing like words or like, like names and stuff like that, but I don't think about Reed and Red and Lead and Lead Context and stuff like that. Context gives me most of what I need yeah, for yeah. those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I've screwed a few of them up before, but anyway, I'm not going to call her Megan the Stallion. I'm actually going to call her Megan the Stallion. The you're not going to call her Megan the Stallion. No, why? Because that's dumb. <laughs> it's, it's her name. It's the All right. Well, I want you to call me Jeremy the Minotaur <laughs> with two E's. <laughs> you are now that name now. and two T's in Minotaur. Yes. This is the this is the Aquafina thing all over again. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you have the right to... First of all, I don't think she's legally changed her name to Megan the Stallion. It's a stage mm. name, and I don't have to say a stage name. Well, that's true. Uh, okay, that'll do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Syncast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. I got a question, though, yeah. for some people. If we left Facebook, would some of you be upset? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm asking a question of you Facebook users. Should we go to Twitter? Should we do something else? I'm very con- strongly considering not being on Facebook anymore. I understand. Uh, and uh, so, but for now, we're on Syncast presented by CinemaSense. We'll be there for the foreseeable future. Mm. It's just that I'm slowly thinking maybe just get off of it after a few months or so. <laughs> I think we should get off all social media platforms. Probably a good idea. Because Twitter's a hot garbage. Like We should go to like TikTok or something like that. Or Snap. Yes. yes. Yeah. Somewhere let's let's move to a platform we're too old to understand. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but we're also on CinemaSense Twitter. We've got a music video since Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. We uh, have a Discord if you want to uh, get on Discord. Uh, I, traditionally, if you want to go on Facebook and give me a private message, I will give you a link to that. But there's a, several places they can ask for links, and we can give them. There's a link on the sidebar of the subreddit, too. I did not know that, and that is extremely helpful yeah, uh, the, to know. The so guys can, that manage that page are pretty awesome. So, so they can go to the subreddit and just get an Insta link to Yeah, it. just go scroll down. It'll be on the right side. There's a bunch of sin-related links there, and the Discord is like one of the top ones. Yeah, Sweet. so Sweet. there you go. Uh, so we have a lot of places that you can come and talk about this very episode. Anyway, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Are you using it? I got it at once, um, but uh, because it's so fucking quiet out there, um, I bought a second hammock so we could go out there together. <laughs> You're going to be like the, those dead couple in the Cialis commercials. <laughs> With a glass of wine and a ceramic tub on the back patio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never understood why that was such an indelible image where there's no physical 
possible way that right. they could have sex yeah. while sitting in a fucking bath uh, looking at it. Why is the tub bath. out in the fucking field? Like, the tub is... I don't know. Did you carry a bunch well, of buckets to that tub? It's, it's weird. When Walton Goggins is introduced in uh, The Righteous Gemstones, he's doing just that. Like, he's out there in a, in a fucking bathtub in the middle of his yard. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because it's a Danny McBride thing... Like his his young bride comes out to towel him off and like big old cock right right in the middle of the screen. <laughs> and right. it's old cock too. Old cock, yeah. Walton yeah. Goggins himself isn't that I, old. I bet they no. grayed out some pubic hairs or something. Right, well, and I'm sure it's not his cock either. <laughs> you don't think it's his cock? No. If they, if it was his, they would have shown him full bodied. I think they put a Did stunt they not? I think they put a stunt cock in there. Oh man. I was like I am disgusted, but also that's a nice little uh, detail. Yeah, in case you were looking for it. <laughs> uh, Seriously, I was like, "Wow!" That, I mean, that is really. You're saying the continuity girl did her job on yeah. that. That's right. <laughs> She's like, "Hang That's on right. a second. Boop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, to make sure that this looks finger. authentic. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I think Walton Goggins is like 48, something like that. All right, I think All he's right. somewhere around there. But regardless, that was a stunt cock. I'm I'm assuming it is, or else if, and or else he would have, they would have shown him full body. It's just like any other kind of nudity that you see where like if, if uh, you see uh, a woman on screen and she like pulls her shirt off and it's like, let's just shoot them from like down here. Mm-hmm. That's usually stunt. Is this, do you think a its own industry or are these just actors uh, waiting for like an acting? Game? I think that's an industry. You, you could I be think the stunt cock. Yeah. I think you're like, oh, you've got nice breasts you want to show them on screen for this person and i think that's how it works interesting Probably. i remember reading an interview from somebody who had god i can't remember if it was a game of thrones person but somebody who had used a stunt double for nudity and she, this is a famous actress and she was talking about they let her they let her choose like they let they showed her pictures oh that was of, that was gene Triplehorn. okay and it was Waterworld. okay great yeah. also oh, about the butt shot yeah the butt yeah, shot they let her choose which which, which butt? butt would be hers yeah i would assume that happens quite a bit if you've got clout gene Triplehorn clout <laughs> yeah. like, like i think i think in wanted <laughs> i think in wanted angelina jolie didn't do that that nude shot while she was walking away because apparently she was too thin she wasn't in the best health at that point, so I think she got to choose like who. Oh yeah, who was was in that scene? Yeah, and it may not it may not be an industry, it might not be a a like organization that you call. You might just go to the strip club or something. For all I know, but could do. Well, I'm assuming though that these people are are have some sort of union card or something like that to do the things that they do. Even the men. Oh yeah, I mean, look the Screen Dick Guild. The SDA, like, the, <laughs> like the like the guy in Walk Hard that shows up and just has the dangling dick. Like, I wonder if he's like a recognizable actor, character actor anywhere, or if he's the guy that's just like, I'm cool with showing my dick. And man, in that movie, I would be surprised if that's like Chris know, Parnell, yeah. or, or even John C. Riley's like college roommate or some, you know, somebody he knows. The key grip. Hey, you got a nice dick. Yeah, we but, need to get to the bottom of this. We really do. We need to find like I. I was thinking this. This shows my naivete, I guess. But I was thinking it was probably people who wanted to be models or actors, but had yet to break in in either industry. And there's the, the guy who says, "Well, I can't give you this job, but." If you go down the hall, they're looking for some boobs for Angelina Jolie. Yeah, no, it, it it makes perfect sense for women that are attractive that have great hoo-hahs or whatever, right? 
But like Yabos. Yabos. Yeah. Yabos. Yabos. Fucking Thora Birch. Yeah. That was a weird out of context. In yes. Uh, but yeah, like the, uh, but like whenever you see Dick, it's usually not, unless it's Eric Dane, it's usually right. not like somebody who's all cut up in his torso. It's like the guy from Walt Card or mm-hmm. the Walton Goggins stand in <laughs> or right. whatever. Or Jason, whatever, in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Jason Siegel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was real. Yeah, that right? was, oh, it was that, totally real. That yeah. was, yeah, definitely him. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you could make a decent money and say you're fine with it and you got a decent dick. And you can do double work consistently. Not a bad living. Because nobody sees your face. They mm-hmm. don't associate. I it's just like don't. the Chappelle show dick where it's like, ma'am, I can't even pick out my own dick mm-hmm. <laughs> out of a lineup. I think yeah. My be. dick and, like, and me are like this. Yeah. We might be overestimating the size of this particular industry, though, because it's not, it may be like, three it's not guys. like there's a dick in every movie. And yeah, it may be like three guys and six women. And they're all just like it's probably way together. more women because <laughs> I know uh, that way more female nudity. I know at the very very end of Body Double, there's a scene where the where Dennis Franz is the director of this movie, mm-hmm. and there's a woman taking a shower, and then of course the the main guy in the movie is playing a werewolf or a vampire or something, and he comes in through the like the 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 like uh, bathroom window or something mm-hmm. to attack her, and then so like. Uh, there's a point where he's about to grab her and they're like, and he's like, okay, cut, cut. And they, and the, the, the normal actress who's just wearing a towel walks away. And then the girl with the boobs out comes in <laughs> into the shower. And then, and then, so like, then it, then it, um, so then it shows they, they continue the scene and that's where he's like grabbing her and fondling her and all that and everything. And then they like show what the scene looks like afterwards when they cut it and everything. I have no idea why he ends the movie this way, but it's, fun <laughs> it's interesting uh but but they show the actual actress in her face and she's like oh no oh my god and then it would cut down to like here's the nudity and here's where he's he's grabbing her and everything and then it would cut back to her and she's like oh no, no. <laughs> my son's school fair thing last night mm-hmm. and there's a food truck that does barbecue mm-hmm. and normally those are just like warmed over like fucking you know hotel pans or whatever yeah. it is this guy had an open pit and was actually like doing shit. Oh, on damn. It. And it smelled amazing. And he was doing these corn cake tacos with like brisket and uh, like a little uh, pickle spear in it. Nice. And they looked and smelled unfucking believable. But the line was so fucking long that I could not get in. All, are, all I could do is watch and smell there it. There are some limits, right? I'm not going to stand in line for an hour. No. F- no matter how good that bite of food yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm just gonna make it myself. There you go. There is well, you nothing. That smoker. There Maybe. is nothing in this world that is worth waiting that long in line for. Right. That's now. true. I That's mean, true. I mean, I imagine if you took a big long trip just to go to that place, yes. But yeah. if you're a local, no, no, yeah, no. You may see a line at uh, Ocheval for burgers in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, even on a if we go on like a Tuesday or something mm-hmm. like that, there's usually somewhat of a line, but like the. Sunday afternoon line is ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. people will wait an hour and a half for for a burger. Yeah, and they'll will, love it. I will not. I will not either. The, uh. Like you got to weigh in this. Like how good is the burger and the weight? Like it, could you go to conceivably go to Wendy's <laughs> and get mm-hmm. a burger and and it takes you five to ten minutes? And will you have an equal experience out of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got to. Lower the flavor, but increase the convenience. Yeah. And does that balance out? And typically it does. For yeah. some people, though, it's about 
it, I, I don't even think it's about the burger. I think it's about being able to say you had the burger. Mm. If it's that popular <laughs> that people stand in line, then it's uh, it's part of the it crowd thing. It's yep. the, well, I got to Instagram this burger so I can get 10 more followers. That's and right. Shit. And me, I'm over at Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at five guys going, your burger is like 1% better than this one. And mm-hmm. I waited no time at all. Yeah. You actually say that to the, the cash person? No. Yeah. <laughs> You know what, sir? Your burger. <laughs> Hannibal Burris. I want to congratulate you on your Hannibal burger. Burris has a has a bit uh, sort of like that of talking about this. He says, like you know, like he's like, oh, you know, there's this uh, this great Thanksgiving Day sale at uh, it's thirty five percent off and everything, and it's like, but you have to be there at six a.m. He's like, well, to me that negates the deal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And scene. And scene. <laughs> did you ever act, by the way? Yeah. Did you did you do act acting exercises like that? Maybe not that pretentious, but where you had to get we yourself did, to and a scene and oh, then do um, like a... Yeah, I, I, we did. It's basically like, I'm done. You know? Right. I did plays in college. Uh, I did three of them. I did Trip to Bountiful. I did uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. And I did um, Diary of Anne Frank. Um, who were you in Diary of Anne Frank? I was her dad. I was, I Otto was too in high school. Play. That's the last line in the play. And if, you don't, if you don't land that sucker, she sure. puts me to shame is the line. And if you don't land it, nobody in the audience gets the feels. Exactly. It was very much pressury. Dicer was in that with me. Really? Yeah. Um, anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, we did energy circles. Our, our mm-hmm. drama teacher was all about energy circles. So 20 minutes before the play, underneath the stage, gathering grab hands and you just start chanting you're on the ground you squat down and you go energy energy and you slowly stand up as you get louder and louder and louder and you're screaming at the end ah. I'm, I'm sure it's just a simple mind hack but then everybody's all like jazz the fuck up to go out and give it I a like good that. show we should do that before podcasts yeah no, i'm not doing energy <laughs> circles with you guys should <laughs> sorry it's a requirement to be on the podcast now what do they do in uh jay and silent bob they're uh matt damon and ben affleck like lion face ah, yeah lemon face. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> lion face. Ah, yeah lemon face mm. That is what they do. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, Jesus Chucky, Christ. it's hunting season. <laughs> you know, I uh, this is way off the subject, but I tweeted about this because I heard on the way home from podcasting, I heard uh, Blaze of Glory. Yeah. And I hadn't heard Blaze of Glory in a while. Mm-hmm. And Blaze of Glory, of course, was the theme song for uh, Young Guns 2. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, is is Blaze of Glory a better Young Gun song than Wanted Dead or Alive? Hmm. And I actually tweeted this because I actually kind of like both songs, but I like Blaze of Glory better. Mm-hmm. Then I was reminded Young uh, Wanted Dead or Alive was not on the Young Guns 1 soundtrack. Right. But, I mean, that's so fucking Young Guns. Yeah. And then he comes back for fucking I Blaze think of Glory and all that shit. That's probably why he was asked to do the song for Young Guns 2 yeah. was because of that other songs yeah that that young guns 2 soundtrack is boss man yeah what else is on it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but i had it and i listened to the shit out of it (laughs) i'll have to look it up but i remember it being good oh man Oh, there's a smaller one? Yeah. I thought like, they only made it in... Looks like this size. Oh, I thought they only made it in the, the bigger size. No. Well, you should get the bigger size. Well, uh, if I get the bigger size, I'll drink it all. 
Well, once I get a couple Don't glasses alert. of wine in me, I, I lose all Whoa, inhibition. There's so much more in here. <laughs> it's, called man- it's called managing my alcohol intake. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. By the way, I was reading about that. God, what was I reading about uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and Tom Cruise for Magnolia? Because the the relationship between Tom Cruise and uh, Jason uh, Aiden Quinn is it? Who's the old Jason Robards? Jason Robards. Yeah, yeah. Jason Robards mimics the whole thing with Tom Cruise and his actual father so yeah, yeah, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, P.T. Anderson didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying, and that's what Tom Cruise is saying. That's too. crazy. I mean, like estranged, like you know, successful guy becomes success. The son becomes successful, estranged for years and years and years and years. Visits on their deathbed and reconciles. Mm-hmm. I'm like. He's like, how did you know this? And that's he's like, nuts. I didn't. I'm like, God damn, that's yeah, kind of odd. It's freaky. It's free. It's very freaky, <laughs> yes, man. Yes. <laughs>